Welcome to Tales in the East on episode 209, Gary P and of course the prof, Carl Riley. Live from Ring's End. We are here, it's our 200th episode lads, so we thought we'd bring it back to the birthplace of Shamrock Rovers. So, um, it's uh, it's been a wild ride, prof, 200 episodes. It's our first live show in over two years, we were just talking about that up here. Um, believe it or not, um, our last live show was the tattoo one. Believe it or not, Milner. Milner's here with us now. Milner sorted that out for us, and that was a long, long time ago. That was two months before it Loads of cans, yeah. loads of tattoos. And uh, so, 200 spectacular live audience here. And um, we've gathered a number of players, supporters, all together, and we're going to celebrate in style. So, rings and connections, stories, triumphs, histories, the whole lot, yeah. bruv. And uh, Kieran just informed me that we have a new member of the audience, someone who actually saw Cold's Colts. Uh, his name is Eamon Condren. Uh, also known as Stafford's cousin's uncle's father-in-law. <laughs> <laughs> Can we abbreviate that? <laughs> so uh, you're going to find on the wall of St. Pat's, CYMS and Rings End, it was put up in 2012, it's the plaque, and it says the following, erected to commemorate the founding of Shamrock Rovers in 1901. Um, we'll have to get a correction on that one. Typics. So back when we thought it was 1901, the first meeting of Ireland's most successful club of all time was held at 4 Irish Town Road. So the club's first offices were in Shamrock Avenue, now the square Irish Town Road and it was this fact that led the club to being called Shamrock Rovers Rings End Park has the honour of being the first club's home ground and erected by the Shamrock Heritage Trust in conjunction with the pride of Rings End Shamrock Rovers Supporters Club so lads give us a round of applause there this is all the lads who are here with us today this is the pride of Rings End so they are keeping the flag flying in Rings End for Shamrock Rovers and considering it is Quite a, a, quite a, it must be tough enough we're going to get delve into this in a while but keeping the flag flying in rings end must be a tough enough thing to do considering you're so far away from Tala and the fan base has grown so we're going to move on Robert Gargan told me that he's writing or he's updating his uh, chronological history book he's going to have a whole chapter on the beginning of Rovers from 1899 to 1922 when we played out of rings end so he's uncovered a lot of new stuff about rings end and our history so Something to look forward to. Yep. So first up, we have our two modern-day Rings End Rovers. It's Sean Gannon and Sean Cavanagh. So, Cavo, talk about growing up in Rings End and getting into football. So, um, give us a, where did it all start? Who did you start uh, off playing for? Started off at Cambridge, uh, just in the park there. Played with a lot of Milner, then went over to Belva. So, yeah, started off in the park watching Milner and thought, got to be better than that. <laughs> 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 We're off to a good start anyway. <laughs> have any chance I'd be better than that now, but a lot of my sort of growing up and football memories would be with Mona playing yeah. on the volley in the flats and hitting windows and legging it and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what to what age you started off at Cambridge, what age did you go to Belvo? Because Belvo notorious club. I think yeah. Borky was with Belvo yeah. and who else was on that team that you played with that uh, went on to do well? Well initially I think Mona went over a couple of weeks before me. I think we would have been about eleven. Then I went over as well, and that team you would have had a player at Daryl Lennon, yeah. one now, uh, Pierce Sweeney, extra just got promoted from League Two. Um, around the league, Adam Evans, he was around the league for a while, Kieran yeah. Dillon's up the north now. There was a couple that went away. And they'd be all Rings End lads, oh, give no, or take. They were Belva. They were Belva, yeah, yeah. They were all Belva, but Rings End lads, who would have been on that team? We, we saw the play the year up, nobody really. That went on till it was bad as me on that, but. And was was um, Belvedere the natural progression for lads from Rings End? The likes uh, of would be maybe it'd be a lot of Sheriff Street yeah. alumni, you could say, in there. Would that be the natural progression? Yeah, it's, it wouldn't be too far. It's sort of only over the tall bridge or over the bridge. Um, I know Gannon probably went a bit further. Yeah, it wasn't good enough to play for Belvedere. I did I go further and field? Yeah. 
So you went up the road to home farm, Gano, and you went to the same school, played for the same schoolboy team as Cabo. Am I right? You played for Cambridge? Yeah, I played for Cambridge, yeah. And you went? It would have been the same, kind of, as Cabo. Would have been to Cambridge till I was about maybe 11 or 12, and then I went over to home farm. And what uh, prompted you to go to home farm? Obviously, did you try for Belvo or...? No, I actually didn't. I just... Um, Alan Murphy, you know, that plays around here, that played around here. Right. You know, played with Shells, and um, he actually... Was Alan Murphy around? No, no, Alan is um, he played a thing for Dundalk. Yeah, to be corrected on. Yeah. So he was coaching. He yeah, he saw yeah, you, he took you up. Yeah, so he he kind of came, came to the house and said, you know, there's an opportunity for me. Back when that was probably seen as an okay thing to do. I don't think that happens <laughs> yeah, anymore. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, that's really it. I went over to home farm, played there for six years, and then went to Kevin's for two. That's really kind of had a different path than Cabo. Cabo, when you were younger, you played in the Pride of Rings and Fly Beside a few yeah. times, didn't you? Yeah, I played, uh, I remember playing one year. I got lifted, I think it, <laughs> I think it could have been Jonathan, was it? Yeah. It absolutely smashed me. He was playing a goal on the Fly Beside and the ball came up. I was looking at the ball and bang, crunch in the face. <laughs> one of the lads that one of our mates wanted to kill him, so. Yeah, it's mad a few years down the line, yeah. I, would have been, I think I was home from England for the summer. Then a few years down the line, I'd see him most match days and stuff. Now, I've never said it to him because... Still want to get paid. I <laughs> 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 always say it when I get released. You were saying, I'm nearly sure you played as well, didn't you? I played you played a couple of times, I remember yeah. as well. Yeah. I think I've won it. I think you won it with Ed Saul's yeah, team. Yeah. yeah, remember that? Yeah. Ed never let that one go. Yeah, never so. let it go. Yeah, Ed Saul and Ben Stafford couldn't be here, but any funny memories from, from growing up with them and meeting them around the place? Um, really, to be honest, it was just the mo- all the Rovers I remember would be Mirna, his dad. Uh, Richie obviously they were mad rovers I think I went to a couple of one or two games at Milner I think I went to a Derry game in Talla 20 could have been 10 or 11 that was they were all the members I had of rovers but you were one of the first players to play in the 19s in 2010 so give us your your memories of that and who was the gaffer what our players were in with you yeah I actually got quite lucky in how I signed for rovers I kind of didn't think it was going to happen for me whatsoever. Um, I was playing for Kevin's boys under 18s in the DDSL and we played a friendly against Rovers and we actually played centre half for Kevin's and um, Andy Moyler and Deco Heavy were the managers at Rovers oh, yes. and we, just by chance we played them in a friendly and after after that one game um, they were the only club to give me a chance. Made a beal in for you. Yeah, yeah. And who else was in that team as well that's gone on to kind of... I mean, you're probably one of the most decorated players in the League of Ireland, so who else went on to kind yeah, of do we well? Have, we would have actually had a good side with um, Conor Murphy, Daniel McInnes. I played with uh, Jeff Flood, who was our playing centre half together. Yeah. Um, a lot of lads have kind of went on to, to play in the league, but some are, some are kind of not playing really anymore and um, wouldn't, don't think there's many left still. And you're back with us for a second spell. Obviously, you had great success with Dundalk. Um, did you always feel in the back of your mind that one day you would return to Rovers? Yeah, definitely. Um, as I said just there, I always felt I owed something to the club. Um, that badge just fell into your mouth that time, didn't it? Emotions run away. It's getting stick, it's getting abuse from the stand. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, I've said before that it's. Um, I tell you what, when I first signed back, Ed Saul's son on two different two different Really, is it? Yeah, really. Just. He had one question only, and that was it. He just kind of wouldn't let me off the hook about yeah. it. But uh, and I was good. The junior who was kind of grilled me on it as well. But um, yeah, no, I've always wanted to come back. It was something I wanted to do. Um, 
unfinished kind of, business type thing yeah and how I left obviously um, Trevor Crowley was very honest with me um, he just I, I didn't know anything else other than Rovers when I, when I left Rovers mm. um, and he just said that he couldn't promise me I was going to play I was young and he, and he, so he thought it would be better for me to go and you know, get some game time and experience and had you an agent at the time? yeah so did you sit back with your agent and talk to your parents or or who did you have a chat with and say okay well I've been told I'm probably yeah, not going to play between like obviously my my mum and dad would have been big only for my dad I wouldn't have had to play for home farm he used to come in from work um, drop his gear straight, still in his uniform bring me straight back out to the home yeah. farm so he's kind of been a big influence in any decisions that I've really made so um yeah, it was just it was obviously like saying it was I really appreciated Trevor's honesty. It kind of worked out for yeah. me because he didn't just keep me to. And Dundalk were the only club in for you? No, or had I you got went, another option? I went to Pats. I went Pats. to Pats for the year, and then I went from Pats to Dundalk. And before you went to Pats, had you got a couple of offers on the table when you were at Rovers? Did you have a different choice of, of clubs yeah, to go to? Yeah, actually, even Kenny asked me to go to Dundalk. Right. Um, but I, I stayed. I, went, I actually went. In my head, Dundalk was. <laughs> No, like on the World Atlantic Way or something. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to stay in Dublin and I signed for Pats. I'm thinking back to 2012 for a second. Hindsight is 2020, of course, but looking back now, is it possible that maybe you were a much better player than Craig Gilbert? <laughs> oh, that's probably why I can't. He had a great debut, uh, that, was, that was about it. Yeah, but he's. Um, uh, was he popular in the squad? He was a character, all right. Yeah. He could do some mad stuff, Kerry. Like, you wouldn't know what you were going to get out of him. But, uh, uh, listen, it was, you know, it was for me, obviously, I wanted to play. Um, but I was still young at the time. I, I had only just came through from, you know, from the youth side. So I couldn't go bang on any doors. You're kind of, you know, learning your trade. Yeah. Stuff like that. So, um, I don't know. That's probably for. What is that answer? Look, Kevo, you, you were flirting with Dirty in tw- yeah. 2018 before Brads stepped in. Was it a done deal? was, yeah, I was a. Uh, was, was it a Chris Turner job where you had to give back a few quid? For a signing on fee? I had to go and uh, <laughs> give the tracksuit on that back. Yeah, <laughs> did. No, uh, I was uh, obviously just waiting for papers to be signed <clears> from, yeah. from England. I was supposed to be in the squad for the first game of the season for Dirty, which was what for the way. Um, they didn't come through and then it was funny enough like on the I think it was the Thursday they obviously I was up there training so travelled down with them the Thursday and uh, got a phone call from Steve McFan said would you be interested in meeting on Saturday so right. I was sort of hoping the paperwork didn't go through but, yeah yeah and uh, yeah then met them on the Saturday and said we want to did it take much to convince you not really to be honest I'm was there a factor going up was it, was that a factor in thinking it was a yeah. bit far away no at the time Kenny Shields the manager he said you can have Weekends off, go home to Dublin, come back, but still, you're playing on Friday night, and then it's a bit much. But then Dublin was perfect for me, yeah. and I obviously knew how big Rovers was. With, like and how convinced were were Mac and, and Brazza when when you sat down with them? They were very good. Uh, I think the first game of the season that year, Rovers lost three one to Bowes. I think one nil up in Daly Mount, was it? They came back to win three one. Yeah, that was then, the one that was recorded for Copa ninety, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the Saturday I met them, Saturday morning, they just said, look, this is the way we like to do things. We, we gave the players a schedule that after the weekend, just because we lost last night, we didn't drag them in. So, yeah, I like that. You get a schedule, you yeah. plan things and stuff. But, yeah, I liked them as soon as I met them. I remember at the time you saying that Duffer, having played for Fulham, that yeah. was a factor. Yeah, Duffer actually, he said it to me a couple of months before that, actually. Uh, texted me just saying, what are you doing this summer? I know you have a contract and stuff. I said, I'm just waiting around. 
just keep rovers in mind. Then it came to the late January, February, I was I knew I was getting released, so in the summer, so I started to look elsewhere and but rover sort of wasn't there, so so how did that feel for you and what was the reaction like when you were told okay who told you at Fulham that listen we're not renewing your contract and um, did you kind of expect it? I expected it I, the last game I played for the fourth team for Fulham would have been probably two years before that Jesus, I had a long time left on my contract but uh, I knew I was nowhere near I was like 23 was I 24 training with like 18, 19 yeah, years and yeah. wasn't near the fourth team so got kicked out of the change well not kicked out I got moved from the change room into the younger change rooms but I sort of knew the right was on the wall myself so yeah. ah, yeah, it's the job at the end of the day you get you get told you have to go what are you going to do you have to yeah, go you yeah, can't yeah. just hang around you were on opposing sides in the 2019 cup final and Cavo how how special was that day that's Cavo this one yeah it was <laughs> deadly it was unbelievable still now like we stayed in Carton House and the manager got a video from all the families and stuff and we didn't know what was happening we came in normally as if thought it was a normal team meeting and on the big screen comes up everyone's family and just and there wasn't a joy in the house no no I was like I'm not crying on the bus actually it's because Graham always says to me now on the from Carn House to the stadium I was like that just couldn't stop crying yeah, really. it was yeah. so emotional and then obviously playing you see the banner you come out obviously after we won it the young flat's time for it. well still the young flat <laughs> <laughs> transfer was it <laughs> he's on a free transfer but not uh, no, he came on the pitch and my missus all my family and I was there it was, yeah, it was probably the best day in my career today and and what, what I loved about it was if you go back in time to previous cup finals I think the Derry one we were lambasted for having like tracksuits Scully said the preparation was terrible Going to Carlton House with the night before, yeah. training properly, just focused totally on the cup final. That must have just yeah. felt totally professional. And you coming home from a professional setup, you must have just thought, okay, I made the right choice here. Ah, definitely, yeah. It was like, maybe people think you're coming home to Ireland, the setup isn't great, but since I've been at Rovers, like, you think of that day, we stayed in Carlton House, best field, we got lovely suits, um, yeah, bust down. Everything was done properly, so there was no there was no difference at all to say a match day away with say say away Fulham or whoever you're with you're playing yeah. in Middlesbrough, stay overnight, get good field. There was no no difference at all. What was the reaction to the footage of the match from Rings End? Did that come in pre game? Yeah. Did you see it before the game? Yeah, see my my family obviously live over there and Gano was only there, but they went down to Rings End and drinking cans and all outside the spine. Yeah, how many match would be down there? Yeah, she's drinking cans outside and walked up and that's it. <laughs> yeah, sending you videos. Like I said, the whole day sort of leading up to the kickoff is emotional. Yeah, it's brilliant. What about the next day? Ed Saul was telling us that you and him ran a pub crawl in Rings End. Yeah, started off in here, I think, then went all the pubs around Rings End. Uh, we couldn't get Gano in for that one. He wasn't. No, I wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> no. was out doing that the store. That <laughs> <laughs> uh, was good. Cracker was, yeah, it was. Good sub had that day. That was um that went on for a couple of days, didn't it? That 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 session because yeah. when when we won, we all went back to the Abo, and then you had a night there, and then the phone was ringing at like nine in the morning, and you're like, right, the players are here, all the lads are here. Here's the next step, turn your in. So it was it just continued on into the next couple of days. It's just it's it's next level when you do win the cup. But kind of you got your revenge with Dundalk the next year in the final behind closed doors, and you picked up your seventh league medal with Rovers in 2021. You didn't get one in 2011, so that's seven joint record now. So. Uh, where did you rank your trophy hall? I mean, yeah, it's probably 
I don't really know. I don't really think about it too much. I mean, it's uh, like if someone had it said to me you know, when I was when I was starting out that I'd go on to have the career I probably had to date, um, I probably would have laughed. To be honest, yeah. it's not something that I would have seen. I kind of more like me my whole reason behind like staying and the like. I was making preparations away from football to go a completely different route. Oh yeah. So yeah. what were you looking at college? Well, I actually was. I started it. A computer science degree. Yeah. Plan just telling me I was looking at what I think is because I just as I gone back to it, I didn't think it was going to happen for me. Like yeah. really, I genuinely didn't. Um. So it's I've just been probably very lucky to be honest to be part of great squads and play with good players. But um, I suppose it's something I look back on when I do you know when I do retire. Yeah. What was the reaction of you and, and your teammates uh, from Bradger's announcement last week that he was going to stay? Were you just delighted? Ah yeah, definitely. You know it's. Uh, Obviously, people like Sean and that who've been there, you know, a lot longer than me. And like lads were saying, they've only really known Rovers mm. with with the manager. Like so, um, it was great for me as well. To be honest, it's, since I've come in, he's been he's been really good at me. He's challenged me in other ways, you know, to change my game and play a couple of different positions. And um, he feels we can get better as well. So we want to hopefully keep progressing under him as well. But it's good for all the lads who've been there for so long that we just want to have that continuity with with the manager. Like he's obviously such a close knit group. So. He's obviously a massive part with him and the staff, um, so for them to be still here is brilliant. I think continuity is the big, the most important thing you said there, is because we were obviously as a fan base we were going to struggle to kind of see who was going to come in and, and continue on with, in the same vein. Was he actually talking to you, to the players about now without revealing too much information? Was he talking to the players about the imminent move? What was happening? It was all behind closed doors, or did he consult? Everything was just completely focused on football, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah like it was. we were just like nothing had changed for us and the staff. We were just concentrating. We had a massive week, you know, with three, three obviously three games in the week, and it, full focus was on that. He didn't, he didn't say that really. Like, so just a total professional. Yeah, yeah. Would you echo what, what uh, Gano has said there about yeah. how Bradler has brought you on as a player? Ah, definitely. Yeah, I sort of like Gano said. I, I wouldn't really. No rovers about him, you know that kind of way. Yeah. It's sort of hard to explain, but like you don't know what you have. And if he left, it could have flipped the whole club. Now I don't think it would have. But well, you don't know that though. That's the thing. Your days off could have changed, and your plans stuff for your kids on a Wednesday. You're swimming today. You're off on a Wednesday. So yeah. just different things like that. You don't know sort of where you where you would have stood. And is there a major ambition in the squad this year to make the breakthrough in, in Europe? Yeah, hundred percent. I think last year was probably very frustrating for us, um, you know, to be just so close to getting to a group stage, and, and we feel the squad's even even stronger now. Like the, the, if you look at our squad, it's it's good enough to compete in every competition. I think we have the squad to you know to qualify for a group stage definitely. I'd imagine it's one game at a time when it comes to Bradzer and his management yeah. team, and that's I'd say you're not even thinking about Europe at the minute, is it? No, it is. It's it, it's it's a bit cliche, like, but literally, like, you know, being part of the teams where you take your eye off a game, like you you just take your eye off. When you start looking at like singling out games, that's when you you're easily caught or you slip yeah. up. Like you can't single out one game as more important than another. All focus on what's important to you. Yeah, you've seen in this league, like, there's no easy games. Like you just uh, teams can can make life life hard for you and take points off you. And, and it's just but Europe is. It's something that we spoke about, um, not getting ahead of ourselves, but it's an ambition of ours. Are, are you familiar with the way it works this year as well? I mean, we win two games in the Champions League, you're in a playoff, 
Imagine in the champ like every every time you win and progress, you get into a better level if you lose the next one. Yeah. So it's ridiculous the amount of chances that you actually get yeah. to progress. Like it's the champions, the f- what what I found throughout the years, that fourth round in the Champions League, it's massive. It's huge, isn't yeah, it? It's huge. It sets it up, sets it up for mm-hmm. And what, are we seeded this year? Yes, we are. We're confirmed. Which is a big thing. Liverpool helped really us, didn't they? Liverpool helped us getting into yeah, the Champions League final. So it is, it's massive. But Kevin, we're going to talk about your injury problems now. And yeah. we, when initially when you came back, battery pack in with him. Um, so when initially when you came back, we were all delighted to see you, but you broke down. So how uh, mentally that must be tough to deal with. So how do you deal with that mentally? Never mind physically. The mental aspect of it must be half the battle as well. Yeah, it is. It's tough, like, but happens. Happens a lot of people. You get injured. What can you do? Yeah. You know, to be fair, like, if you have a, well, a couple of longer operations where you think you're out for four, six months, so <coughs> initially, four days after the operation, you're thinking you do feel sorry for yourself. Yeah. You can't do that. Have to get helped into the shower and stuff like that. But after, <coughs> you sort of get well, a week or ten days after you. Right, there's a goal here. You see, you go back in the train ground. You see the lads train. You're thinking. You miss that, don't I'll you? be back there soon. Yeah, yeah. that's well, that's what you have to. Really so you'd be working for. with the physio, yeah. or you'd go in. Would you have? Would you come in every day the same way the other players would? Yeah. And you'd come in, and they'd have a schedule for you. You'd work on injuries. Yeah. You'd do all this. So technically, you're not feeling left out. No, you you're don't. in there, and yeah. probably mentally that probably helps you as well. Yeah, did. No, the only the hard part is like you're obviously in every day, but you're in the gym with the physio Tony Mac was good with me, so you're in with him every day. But the lads are obviously in before training, doing a bit of prehab stuff and then mm. when they go out you're on your own then it's a bit sort of lonely or whatever but yeah. then like, like you said you're in every day with the lads talk to them eat lunch with them obviously they're them. helping out as well yeah. the teammates are a big help as well yeah I, I obviously got a lift every day with Graham he, he used to bring me in when I couldn't drive and we're still going to get it now like so yeah. he was huge for me a lot of lads are big for me like just you don't you probably don't realise when somebody is that far away just the, how you are and a lot of lads, I'd say a lot of the lads would have done that, nearly all of them say, how's it coming along and that, just, I don't know, I can lift your mood a little bit. Yeah, and I'd imagine the backroom team that are there as well, yeah. with the experience, like some Mac and Brads who've been away. Yeah. Glenn was huge for me. Glenn was huge? Yeah, he obviously had a cruise uh, he had a cruise injury a couple of times, I think, and he was just, even on my days off, Wednesdays, he used to, he said, right, when you're back out of the, uh, Say brace and when you can get going again, we used to go cycling. Yeah. Up at the training ground, he used to. He got me a lens of a racer. Well, I say a lens of it. <laughs> I don't know where he got it from. Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, got got me everything on on the racer. We used to bring me up the hills, down the hills. And yeah, and those hill runs that that yeah. he picked out the ones in City West. They yeah. did, are, they, are they still in, in action? Yeah, they're still in pre-season. Aren't they? Yeah, but not great. Ridiculous. But well, and just a uh, question for both is um, how special is this little uh, rings ends? Uh, community and support group for you over the years like how special is that to have behind you during your career yeah well for, for me it's huge obviously all the lads everyone here would support you apart from Richie Hayd Slotty put a score a hat-trick in it you're sure you weren't you you're there, you're give us a break Richie really keep you grounded isn't he yeah no it's, it is good it's I always tell the truth <laughs> <laughs> I know it is like I've hung around with me on and early all my life basically and he's Mad Rovers staff is Mad Rovers all the lads are Mad Rovers so <coughs> it's nice to be a part of and I suppose feel wanted and stuff like that but it could be different I mean let's say you could be I don't know 
you could be from a different part of the neck of the woods totally and you could go back to nothing yeah so this i think a lot of players are missing out on this you know yeah. and you're i think you're actually quite lucky to have this kind of support base here and you, you talked about your injury problems there you, you, obviously you should have a lot more appearances in this than yeah. you would if not for the injuries but uh bit of, bit of a milestone for your next game will be your 100 appearance well, for robbers so that'd be a yeah. nice that, one for you that'd be nice i didn't know that now a couple of years ago i think it was the milan game we all got letters to say just before this, we, we went there, we, we, well anyway, Milan, uh, we got letters on our pegs just to say, no way. yeah, from the border was to say, thanks for your service and you've played this amount of games, that was, so and a lot of little details, that must have been the yeah. gog, was it, that was a, that was a, a Robert Goggins, oh, just so you got all little details about your yeah. career and stuff like that, yeah, well just with your always career really, it was just, Thanks for your service. This is the amount of games you've played so far and stuff like that. Oh, actually, I did some of that myself. Yeah, yeah. I'm not yeah. taking too much credit. <laughs> but uh, my last question, actually, it's got to do when you're playing in small uh, away grounds and you hear a Rawers fan on your back. Yeah. And did the players ever say, to you, oh, Jesus, fella wouldn't get off me back the whole game. And then you turn to them and say, yeah, that was Stafford. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have his number. I don't think I'm going to or when you hear someone saying, well done you! <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I just, I know a lot of the stick I get is from Richie, so. <laughs> I've took more stick from him than anyone else, so any stick I get, it's like, it doesn't really, doesn't really bother me. Here. And does that resonate with you, like, other, let's say, away fans as well? I'd say you just water off a duck's back at this stage, is it? Do you care? Yeah, well, the amount of games you've played, you've probably got. Up until last year, I was called a lot worse by them. <laughs> <laughs> That way end in Oriel, they're just fighting over the front row. Yeah, yeah. You can hear everything. <laughs> so, uh, lads, that's it. Brilliant, and thanks very much. So, give them a round of applause, lads. <laughs> right, so you're getting off the hot seat, and next up we have the youngest rings ender on our list, Dan the Lawyer Kyo and Sean Condren. So we have young Dan Kyo and Sean Condren and Dan was going, uh, me and Dan had a little bit of a row recently, is that right Prof? Because we always say that the Tifty's bus is over 18s and they were celebrating his birthday and I was like, how old is he, 20? He's like, no, he's 18. He's been on the bus for two years. He's been on the bus for two years. But uh, no, he's a good lad and uh, we're going to start with the news that Bradzer is staying. So Sean, start with you, give us your thoughts. Um, well, no, I think it's massive. He's obviously a, a massive part of the club. Um, like as a, even the two lads were saying beforehand, like you can't remember Rovers out. I mean, remember the, the the kind of warrior years and all that going through that. But warrior years, my warrior God. years. <laughs> but you know, you, you forget what it's like without him, and uh, he's clearly a big part. Now, obviously, you accept that he's going to leave eventually. But I think that this might have given us the warning and a bit of a shock to say, okay, actually, we need a plan in place. Mm. Um, and that's not I'm obviously preparing for him to go there, but but it's you know, you're right though to stick something in place and go, yeah. okay, we know he's going to go now. He's he's kind of publicly stated that he has ambitions, and of course, you want to see an ambitious manager in charge. So um, it gives it gives us that shock to the system to get him kind of, or to get a plan in place to to be ready to go. So Dan, did you did you think he was going to go? Yeah, and we were convinced. I mean, the last show we did. We we hundred percent convinced. So I didn't listen because of that. We we were discussed. We were two of us were sitting back and we think we even bother. Like we were going to walk out. But when you thought he was going to go, what? How did you feel? And were you going through the motions as who you're going to replace him with? Because we were thinking it has to be outside the merry-go-round. Will it be anyone within the league? How are we even going to go about it? Because obviously the CVs are going to fly in. It's a big job. How did you think? Or what did you think was going to happen next? Um, I have to say it, it was hard to even think about because. There's limited like options for replacement. Yeah. yeah, like 
he'd really struggled to replace him what he's done I mean what he's built over the last the course of the last five six years has been huge and there's a lot of uh, talk going around to our group chat Sean heard the name of Robbie Kane and uh, <laughs> wasn't too happy with that but I always had that little bit of faith that it was all just talk and he'd stay and uh, me heart proved right this time uh, Sean, any thoughts on Chris McCann's performances in recent weeks? Look, I openly said it on. Well, obviously, I've, I was known to give him a good bit of stick last year, which I think was right. I'm not, I'm not going to go back now and say I was wrong. Possibly was it, I mean. He was brutal last year. Let's not. Let's call this bad as bad. He was brutal. I hate to be so blunt here. So I'm gonna, I am going to give him praise. But he was, he was below par last year. And I'd like to think he'd admit that himself. Uh, but I said it on Friday. He played very well against Harps. Now, admittedly, that was against Ethan Boyle, so I was a bit like, mm, maybe you know, Ethan Boyle playing middle of the park was always going to be, I think I do a job in the middle of the park. <laughs> West made it far. Had him doing it in the five side. <laughs> but uh, he came on, and I know obviously Brooks got the hat trick on Monday, but McCann came on and played excellently. And I said, I put it in the WhatsApp on uh, after the game on Monday, I'd start on Friday. Uh, absolutely no doubt I'd start. That's him. a big one. He's, he's, I'm, a, he's a, I'm a changed man. I'm a changed man about McCann. But uh, just even, we'll talk about the game in a while, but the quadruple substitution, just on your thoughts on this, because this is something that Prof said had never ever happened before. Did you think that was Bradley admitting, I'll start with you, Sean, that he got it wrong? Pretty much making four subs. I don't know if he's got it wrong. Look, you're going. Well, if you make four subs at half yeah, time. I'm sorry, I get that, but you've got a big squad of players there. Um, you're going to have to use the squad. It's a long season. You're fighting on a lot of fronts. I know I'm going back to, to English football, but they talk about Liverpool going for the four trophies and making so many subs. They're going to have to do that. If we want to have a run deep into Europe, you're going to have to use the squad. You're going to have players hitting their peak. So I've no problem with making these changes. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. A few of them, you could argue, are a bit questionable. But if you're using the squad, and look, as you said, we're Monday night for have a shocking. Yeah. But to make four subs and I mean, that second half is like a different side. Well, actually, the, the five sub rail, if you look at it across the world, it's an absolute joke. There's no you think way so? you think, oh, it is, it's a farce. Well, it goes well, back to it, Michael O'Neill. It would have so I don't care. Michael O'Neill used to always say it was a 14-man game, and that was when we had three subs. And he's right, but now I think it's I think it's brilliant. I think it benefits us massively. Oh, sorry, in terms of the game itself and like the sport, it's it's shocking. But it benefits Rovers massively. I mean, it's, you're essentially taking on half a side. And we've got a squad as big as ours. Like, no other club can bring five subs, four subs on, five subs on, and have that impact. I don't agree with that. So, so why should you be um, penalised for having a good squad and having your club in order, having a big squad there? I think, I, I totally agree with having those five subs. We, Just because you can't fill your squad with quality players doesn't mean you can't have, yeah, make those subs. Because it came in so instantly... If you'd said the club's okay, here's two, three years, this is coming down the line, you prepare for that and you start planning for that and you, you budget for it. Look, I'm not saying it's massive. I don't care if it's shy for football. It's good for Rover, so I don't care <laughs> yeah. at the moment. I'm just saying on a, on a broader thing. But yeah, you're right. It, it completely changed the game and to have that there is unbelievable. Yeah. So tell us about growing up in Rings End, uh, Dan, and who did you get into Rovers? And your football career yourself, starting off not Cambridge, was it? That. No, but... Uh, well, first of all, with Rovers, it was actually it was actually Jules was the main influence. Um, <laughs> I was always a big Liverpool fan when I was a kid. My dad had me over in Anfield a couple of times, and <laughs> and uh, Jules said to me, "Dad, why don't you bring him off to Tallaght?" This one was was only five. Like we were only Rovers our first meal to Tallaght, and my dad was like, "Ah, not sure if you'll get into it." 
as Joe say, how wrong was he? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Sean, you as well. Tell us about your career getting into roles. Tell him the proper version now. Don't tell him the watered down version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I've had an initial introduction to the League of Ireland football. My initial introduction to League of Ireland football was the Shells. Yeah! yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my, um, my English side have always been Leeds, and Shells would come over and play their annual annual pre-season I used to go friendly. to them as yeah I remember them so my dad's a big Leeds fan so we'd always once a year go up to up to Talkit and watch the pre-season friendly and on the back of that went to one and I say it was one uh, Shells League of Ireland game they played UCD or I can't remember the year was, I can't remember the year well it was every year round of film played for UCD uh, at the time so I went to one Shells game and then thankfully Ben who I know he's interviewed already uh had approached me man Dan and said oh we just spare a ticket one night and the bus and rings was going and went on that and haven't stopped so kids. there's like a committee here it's like Joe's and Ben approach all the parents of kids who go to different <laughs> League of Ireland clubs and they're like not happy with this suspect. But they, they have to be rovers they still haven't they still haven't managed to get Sean to Europe yet but <laughs> so maybe this summer getting hit from all angles here <laughs> uh, Dan you're both uh, safety's bus regulars uh, as we thought about Dan since you were 18 or 16 years old <laughs> uh, best away trip so far on the bus it's all a blur really isn't it for you <laughs> it's a good question even though I'd have to say the last harps that's a three now it was brilliant have to say even just the whole trip the bus up was a good bit of crack and then the game itself Andy Lyons masterclass it was um yeah, no, I've loved all of them, to be honest with you. I couldn't, I couldn't, it's hard to pick out a favour from all of them, but if I had to pick one, it would be that just for the performance and the trip as a whole. Yeah, yeah. What about you, Sean? Uh, Galway away in the Cup. Remember, was that 2019? That last minute winner, like, to get, I, uh, the, the disappointment to go on behind and then kind of come back and race score the late winner was excellent. Even this year, as in, actually, the Sligo one just gone. I know we only drew the game, but. That was a great trip. Yeah, great it was. Trip. It was. It was eventful, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. It was eventful. And um, we have an interview with um, Ed Saul and Ben coming up, and he, he mentions you as being uh, influential on the Poitiers Rings end Kumbite. So, uh, <laughs> what was your uh, thoughts on what he said there? I suppose and your involvement nowadays on the Poitiers Rings end. Yeah, obviously you look after the buses and the bus conductor as if, as Doc is. Well, Doc's, <laughs> Doc's renaming me names, so I can't say in the podcast. <laughs> but we'll go with bus conductor. <laughs> <laughs> The last will, uh, will kind of back me up on that one. Um, but yeah, now look, it's it's been great to get the, as I said, my first introduction to hours was via the bus and, and going up in, was in 2009, 2010. So uh, looking after now, again, going back to the Warrior days where we'd be going up with kind of, you know, very, very low numbers on buses and using small buses. And I mean, for Friday, Derry, for example, we've 31 so far. And to get back to those, the days of having these massive buses going up to the games was great. And look, it's obviously, it's, great for everyone going and having that kind of atmosphere in the bus go, having a few points here before the game going to the game um, that's, it's great to have it back to that and hopefully well, it continues to have a bus travelling from Ringsend to Tallaferby home game is brilliant and it does deserve a lot of credit and I mean 31 alone from one little area in particular nobody else does it bar maybe the Borough Hoops and they're only kind of coming into uh, fruition now so it is a, deserves a massive massive uh, pat on the back for it because it's it's only starting to come back into the fore now isn't it so how do you find actually organising the buses and how did you get pumped with that who, who decided Ask Justin how did I get <laughs> <laughs> I think it was a case of a few people being away and I did it once and then has kind of stuck and to Sean it Sean does that Sean rules the buses that, yeah. Sean rules the buses he's great turn into the conductor now I <laughs> know uh, oh, it's fine look I said 
everyone's uh, to have the, the big numbers going again like no complaints you, know? you have a history of fascination with buses as well though, don't you you avid bus washer <laughs> <laughs> I know me bus routes I know your routes um, and a question I suppose to both of you is what does robbers and rings end mean to you we'll be asking various people this question like when you think about robbers and rings end the connection what do you think about it's all I've known really since as far as I can remember me dad's obviously from the area all the lads like, I've known all day since I could walk and talk I've grown up I've been brought up like this and it's all I've known so yeah it's everything so you're, you're both uh, you both are very supportive of the podcast and 200 episodes in so is there anything you can think of that highlight for yourself either live show any interview or anything like that is there anything that you could highlight and you thought I enjoyed that first I mean, first appearance on a live show I can't use it on live shows uh, <laughs> I always love, uh, I think Turner's introduction recently was great. Always <laughs> <laughs> Barry's uh, uh, Connor's Corner. I actually thought, I know, listening to, to Ben's interview this morning, his his passionate defense of Jody was, uh, was, was uh, it was, I don't know, you, you would presume it's hardly gone before me here, was uh, incredible. Incredible listening. I really yeah. enjoyed that. And his, uh, maybe I'm being a bit biased there. As he said about people accusing my rings and boys, maybe I'm being rings and boys backing my uncle up. But uh, I really did enjoy his. I know, uh, I, I his, really his did as well. Brilliant, wasn't it? Was it was excellent and I have a lot, I have a lot to I, there's a few things that I didn't know about the whole Jody sign of a Rovers thing as well which I will be opening up on I think it's, I think it's brilliant but um, what about you anything else for, for yourself any Especially highlights since, since I've started Connor's on. Corner will be discontinued as well I think <laughs> after a couple of after the Prof massacred him <laughs> well since I've started going on uh, on the buses definitely Hearing the toilet banjo perform on him. I don't think you've won that one yet, have you? <laughs> no, you're no, gunning for that. <laughs> Not yet. Um, Mewn is a, a regular. <laughs> 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 Mr. Away days. Yeah, but yeah, it's always, a, it's always anticipating every week, building up to that. Yeah, so I'm sorry, that's probably my favourite. We've all these nicknames. We have Staff, Milner, Staffer's cousin, Jaws. Where are you going to get a nickname? You have to earn one. Have, yeah, you can't, yeah. Can't, can't, can't give myself one, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's up to the lads, I suppose. That's what I did. Right, so, uh, lads, thanks. You've been brilliant. And we're going to have next up, we have uh, Jody Bourne, the legend. So, round of applause, boys. So, Jody, you are very, very welcome. You are first appearance on the podcast. Nice, sir. So, uh, tell us a little bit about what part of the Rings End you're from and growing up and getting interested in football, your first memories in football. Yeah, originally from right in the heart of Rings End, facing Rings End Church, uh, Town Castle Street, to right. Town Castle Street is where I was born. Um, moved around to the square in Irishtown when I was eight years of age. Believe where Rovers was founded, am I right? Shamrock Square, yeah, yeah. Um, I lived there till I got married. Um, Still in the area, still up in Bremen Avenue there in Rings End, yeah. Um, played for Cambridge Boys, started off in the mini leagues, walked my way all up to 18 years of age. Cambridge, 18 you were 18? All the way, yeah, and is yeah. that the main club in Rings End, Cambridge? Uh, yeah, the, that was the only club. Well, yeah. Bolton were there, but they were. They were. <laughs> <laughs> Never heard of the UGB. Oh, well, they were, they oh, were uh, after uh, us. They uh, were after us, Paul. They were after us. Yeah, we, we were lucky enough, we'd a, we'd, a, we'd a good enough side that yeah. we were playing at the top schoolboy. So there wouldn't have been that many way. clubs back then, would there? Would there still have been a lot of clubs yeah, that wouldn't have been founded in the well, likes of the like 60s the and 70s? And the Stella and the Bell was Bell they, were all they, there. they were all there, Kevin's. Um, but we were able to keep, we, we had a manager called Leo McDonough, he actually played for Dundalk, you know. Um, he was a ringsender and he took us from 
nearly under 10s all the way up to under 18s. Yeah. You know, uh, and we were playing in the top school, we, you know, the A league, and we won a few Pepsi Cups and stuff like that, Lancer Youth Cups. So we did, we did decent side. So it was, uh, unlike the other lads, we had a good enough side that we could stay in rings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were making waves pretty yeah, much, and it was a decent to, squad. Yeah, we did a decent squad. Rocky O'Brien, Liam O'Brien were on the team, you know. Oh, yeah? Yeah, so like, we decent players as well like you know so tell us about starting out in the league of Ireland before overs tell us a little bit uh, about playing when i was with cambridge boys uh under when i was under 17 dundalk approached the club well approached the manager leo and they asked what i want to would i like to go on a trip they had a way trip to france their youths team right. you know the dark youths so i went to france for a week with them and um, we played in the tournament over there up the north of France and um, came back the following year they asked me to go on the same trip so when I was finished at 18 um, they uh, they wanted to sign me I knew they wanted you know they had been onto the club and onto me and onto my parents so yeah I signed for Dundalk then as a 18 year old um, with two years Jim McLaughlin was the manager with Dundalk at the time what was Jim like was, was that a was he good to play on there? Yeah, Jim. Yeah, even then. But I mean, I mean, he was probably the most successful manager yeah. in the league. He was fantastic, like you know. Um, so two basically two years on the B team up there. Played in most of the league cup games. Played in a league cup final for Dundalk. We were beaten, I think, by Athlone in Talca Park. Um, sort of at the end of the two, I was still only an amateur. I was on amateur forms. Was yeah. Getting a few quid expenses. Um, at the end of the second year, I was breaking into the team. Richie Blackmore was the right. the keeper. Richie was sort of coming towards the end of his career, and uh, I broke into the team because they they, hit, they were went in any position to win the league or a cup ranking. So I got a few games at the end of right. the season, and thought then I was going to be re-signed by the talk, you know, going to be offered a contract. But then all of a sudden, McLaughlin left and. Went to sign, sign for Rovers. You so know, McLaughlin took you, took you with him. Yeah, yeah. So nineteen years old, right? This mm. is this is what we was talking to the prof about. I I actually didn't know how old you were when you replaced Alan O'Neill. Mm. So I found this fascinating. So Alan O'Neill was the legendary goalkeeper that he was, and you came in at nineteen years of age. Yeah, yeah. And you replaced twenty six, twenty seven. That's time, that's massive. Yeah. No, I only yeah. found that out today. I, I knew you replaced. Him. I didn't yeah. know you were that young. So yeah. what was that like coming in as a nineteen year old? to an established yeah. team to come in to a massive massive dressing room like that where you accepted at first well it wasn't really an established team to be honest with you it right. was a new team okay because there was certain players like Campbell and Buckley yeah Jack McDonough was still there uh, Harry Kenny was still there um, John Cody was there but McLaughlin brought in a lot of his own he, like there was a lot of changes yeah he let a lot of players go I mean when McLaughlin approached when when I first found out, I was working down in busy engineering at the time in Rings End, and I came home from work one Friday evening and I went up to Gino Lawless's mass shop and I bought the Herald. Yeah. That was the only way you got your information then. Right. And on the back of the Herald was McLaughlin Science for Rovers. And I kind of went, Jesus, what's going on here? What's you know? I was still. You're still with Dundalk at that stage. Dundalk, like you know. And uh, I went home, and within an hour of going home, I got a phone call. 
We didn't have mobile phones then yeah. either, so yeah. So you were waiting with a phone probably, were you? No, I didn't know anything. I got a phone call and it was Jim McLaughlin. And I said, the first thing I said to him was, congratulations to sign for Rob. He said, how did you know that? I said, it's in the back of the Herald. He says, that wasn't supposed to be released oh. till next week. He said, you know? he didn't even know. <laughs> he didn't even know. And I says, well, I thought he was ringing me to say thanks very much and all that. Yeah, said, yeah. All right. He says, I want you to come with me, you no know? Way. Yeah, so I kind of, you want me to know? And UCD had been on to me. UCD were gone professional. At the time, Dermot Keeley was taking over UCD, mm. so he he used to train with us with Dundalk. So he so you had a connection with both of them then. You were yeah, thinking he, he wanted me to go to UCD. McLaughlin wanted me to go to Rovers, and Dundalk hadn't hadn't a manager at this stage, but the directors were in touch with me, and they wanted a reason. So with three different clubs to pick from. Well, how did McLaughlin push it over the line? Well. Uh, uh, do you know Leo McDonald? Do you remember oh, Leo? Yeah, Leo very well. Yeah, well Leo, like I. Leo had me from eight years of age to 18 and, you know, everything was run by, you know, we put everything past Leo through my career. Yeah. I remember going down to him, into his house one night, and I says, I don't know what to do. And I really didn't know what to do, yeah. because McLaughlin wanted me, Keeley wanted me, and Dundalk. And here, and I said to myself, and Leo kind of says, you'd probably be better off going to UCD, because you're only 19 years of age, you know what I mean? You, you get the games, build up. Yeah. There you know, get the experience and all that. We left Leo that night, so that's okay, I'm gonna sign for, for UCT. Oh, yeah. And I was coming home from work the next day and McLaughlin and Jimmy Shields pulled up in the car. Oh, yeah. Just like that. Pulled up beside me, came down to me house was down in and pulled up beside me. And McLaughlin eventually talked to me in and I says, what about Alan O'Neill? And he says, if you sign that form today, he says, Alan O'Neill's gone tomorrow. So he and was giving you a guarantee, first team football. I didn't believe him. I, did, I thought he was spewing me up. I thought he just wanted good cover for Alan because I was only 19. Alan was the top keeper at the yeah. time. But you were still willing to sign, even as I looked at Alan. Sorry? Were you still willing no, to sign? No, he told yeah. me. Well, in your own no, mind, were you I thinking? I was going to go to UCD, but when he said to me, if you sign that form now, Alan O'Neill is gone. And I signed the form, and within a day or so, it was in the paper. Alan O'Neill had signed for UCD. So Kayleigh, when I didn't sign for Rovers, Kayleigh signed Alan. Now, I never asked why. I never asked why would he sign me? Why did he let Alan go? We've all heard the stories. Yeah. You know, was personality clash? I don't know. We know you get on well with Alan. Always did. We're good friends. You know. Um, but pulling up in the car, you must have. Thought he you. pulled up with Jimmy Shields beside me on Irish Town Road at Shamrock Square. So he was out looking for you at Shamrock Square <laughs> yeah. as well, where it all started. Um, and he had the forms and all in his pocket. He wanted his man, he went straight for him. Yeah, so that's that's the story how he ended up with Rovers. <laughs> so the expectations going into 83-84, Rovers hadn't won the league in 20 years, but yeah. Rovers is always expectations. So what, what, what were those expectations? What was the pressure like in you as a 19-year-old goalkeeper replacing Alan O'Neill? Well, to be honest with you, I think at 19, you don't really feel a whole lot of pressure. You just want to get in and play, like, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure there was a lot of pressure on McLaughlin to, to win a league because he made a lot of signings. He did spend a lot of money, like, you know. Mm. Um, and he had probably some of the best players in the league at the club anyway, with Buckley and Campbell and Harry Kenny and JC, you know. But um, Did you feel like, like you were onto a good team? great pressure now as such, like, you know. And as you say, Rose hadn't won the league in 20 years, so yeah. it wasn't like we were going into a team that were winning things mm. left, right and centre, you know. It was, we kind of seen it as a building, you know, he's, he's building something here, like, you know. But 
I think there was a bit of pressure on him to do something within the first year anyway, you know. Did you feel like the squad that he was assembling, that he was putting together, you were thinking, this, this is bad here? Well, like. Without a doubt, you could see it straight away. I remember yeah. he, when he was talking to me, he says to me, uh, he says, we've signed Pat Bourne. And I says, who? He says, Pat Bourne. I says, who's Pat Bourne? He says, Pat Bourne used to play for Bowes. He used to have been away with Hearts and Leicester. I didn't know who Pat Bourne was. I was a 19-year-old. You know, I was more interested in my own little yeah. soccer career with Cambridge and stuff like that. Um, but when I went and I seen Pat Bourne in training, like, I went, oh, my God, what's he doing here? You know what I mean? He was that good. You kind of went, you know, why is he back playing in Ireland? Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, pressure. I don't think I felt pressure. Now, I knew there was always the... Rover supporters always loved Alan O'Neill and he was their top and he was the best keeper by, by a mile at the time in the league you know but there was good keepers Dermot was good Henderson was good you know there was, yeah, yeah. You know, there was, there was a good crew there was a good group of keepers at the time what about winning the fans over were there still fans that had to be won oh, over without, without, without a doubt why isn't that O'Neill still like probably three years to win them over a lot of medals and three league medals to be honest with you you know, so you don't know really what fans are saying behind your back anyway. Some of them, I mean, you have good days and bad days as well. When you play well, they they acknowledge it. When you play bad, they give you a bit of grief, like you know. So, um, you know, it, uh, it did take me a while to win a lot of them all. But some of them would say, they, you know, you were. I was only twenty-three. Yeah. When I three league medals, like you know what I mean. I still so, fascinated as a goalkeeper, like you know. Yeah. So, you actually won the Player of the Year award in one of them years. Yeah, you know? in the fourth year we won the, the last year. In the so in the league year. winning, you, you won the league and the goalkeeper still won Player of the Year award? In the, in the, the year, we, yeah. Dermot Cayley was the manager in the fourth year. Yeah. The, the, the last year at Milltown, I won I'd say year. that's unheard of in recent yeah. times as well yeah. because normally it's an outfield uh, player and yeah. someone is pulling the strings. Well, I, was, I was lucky enough to be there for the four years. So that must have been a real feather in your cap. For yeah, well, there was only one supporters club then. Yeah. Not, it wasn't like, it well, wasn't like yeah. now there's three, I don't know what way it works now. Yeah, there's lots of them. Um, <laughs> there was yeah. only one supporters club. Um, yeah, that was a great honour, you know, to win that in fairness, like, you know. Right, so Jody, we'll ask you to stay seated there for the rest of the show. We're going to have a little break now. We've loads more to talk about. We're going to bring a different fan in yeah. every so often. And uh, we'll work it like that. Right, so next up we have uh, Mr. Away Days, it's David Kiernan, aka Moonak, Moon Man, Moon Dog. Get him in there. So, Moonak, you're very welcome and a regular on the tip of these bus. And what's your official title for the Point Rings End? Committee. Uh, yeah, just part of the committee, yeah. Help out wherever I can. Glad to be involved. Mascot! <laughs> Like, like you were saying, the last show we did was the, the tattoo show, which was a great night, wasn't it? Uh, your friend is, has her own business now, is it? Yeah, um, it's actually my girlfriend's auntie, so uh, she has her own business. She's actually moved since we've had uh, the last uh, tattoo um, podcast, she moved to another place, so she's still private tattoo now, so if, if her ever does come back up again, she, she says she'll accommodate It us. certainly is on the cards, yeah. and like we said, we did get the likes of, I think it was five to eight people that yeah. are going to do it, it's mm-hmm. just about getting the schedule yeah. right and making sure we can do it, but we are... Gonna, uh, we'll put it out there again actually if anybody is interested in getting a Tifty's tattoo or a Rovers one we're going to put it out there and see what happens Darren Glennon was panicking about tattoo removal <laughs> yeah. uh, last week but uh, many a great night had here in the Irish Town House 
Yeah, uh, fair play to them. Like in, in fairness, sometimes they get they used to get a bit of stick for being called the Dundalk House. But <laughs> since um, the Pride Rings end, have sort of made it that base since we moved away from the vintage. They've been very accommodating. Like even today, when we sort of we've shifted dates a few times, and again, very accommodating. Well, we sort us out, and I suppose to get that money back off. Is any time we win, we're all here like, singing the heads <laughs> yeah, off, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so um, we're going to go back to Jody for a while and we'll fire some questions at him so the best and the worst night in football can you think back and give us your favourite moments and your worst moments um, the best moment was probably playing Celtic in Parkhead uh, although we were beaten you know say so full house full house over there besides the, the days you won the league and cups and that you know but like playing over there you know in the European Cup at the time um, full house over there the crowd sort of cheering as much for us as they were for, for Celtic, yeah. you know what I mean? Um, I mean, that was a fantastic occasion, you know. Um, worst night, probably losing to Linfield in the European Cup. Yeah. You know? Worst what was the crowd like that night? Well, up there, obviously, partisan crowd, but we, we drew nil all up there, you know, so we thought we were, we yeah, were okay. Yeah. I mean, probably should have won up there as well. And then a one-all draw in Milltown just killed us on the away goal. You had the chances know. as well in that game. Yeah, we, that's it. It's definitely one that got away, you know. Um, yeah. And that would probably would have been the low point of, you know. Actually, we'll come back to these rapid-fire questions in a moment, Jody. Uh, yeah. I wanted to ask Mooner, just like the rings-end questions we've been asking everybody, I suppose. Um, what was it like growing up here and how you got into Roberts? It was just uh, my dad. Well, some some of my earliest memories are following Rovers. Um, I actually can't pinpoint my first Rovers game because I was I was at so many of them as a as a kid. You know, my mum and dad used to bring me in the pram. Um, so you know, it's just it's everything I ever knew. It's just Rovers. Sometimes I used to flirt as a kid with my dad's a Leeds fan. My two brothers are United fans. So I was always torn between, but it was just always Rovers all the way. So. You know, like Rovers is literally well, everything to me. Like we're out getting too deep into, but that's all it is, you know. Yeah. And you can see the Aviva from your back garden. So, how much did you look forward to those finals, 2010, 2019, when we did get them? Yeah, the 2010 one was. Um, I was only what 16, 17 at the time, and I, I, I don't think I even really appreciated it as much. You know, we sort of. We'd won, uh, we'd won the league that year as well, and we had a, a good day out down the rings end beforehand. I think I was allowed to have one or two drinks that day, but like, um, but, <laughs> but um, just like, senior but it's, only when, it's only when you look back at maybe the 2019 when I know sort of 2019 was much more um, of an occasion, but. <clears throat> I didn't take it in as much the first time, but like in 2019, there I really took it in, and I really hope we get a few more going forward, just because the atmosphere around Rings End is it's unbelievable that day, and especially being from Rings End, you actually do feel it more than maybe just the normal Rovers fan. You know what I mean? Coming down for a day, if you're everyone's in air town, it's it's great to see yeah. everyone just enjoying it, enjoying themselves. Like that day itself, like what I was only saying to the prof, I was listening back to Ed Saul and, and Ben talk about. The day itself, and it just gives you goosebumps when you think back to it. And it's and it was like it was nice because it's been a while. Yeah. I think we we kind of we flogged it to death when initially for the first year and a half after. But listening back into it, like the job that was put into it, the whole 
of Rings in was involved. Mm -hmm. It was brilliant. There was thousands of people there. We ran two buses. We ran two double-decker buses. Remember one of them broke down on the way? It was just an event. Mm -hmm. An event for the whole Got day. Completely lost. Absolutely yeah. brilliant. But it's actually, when you think about like the when we when we won the semi-final, everyone came back to the bar and we're all sitting in the bar and after a while we're all celebrating. But then, within like 20 minutes, half an hour or so, the, the community was there and everyone was like, okay, I shift to the final. Yeah, mine shifts to the final. I was like, oh, what can we do for yeah. all the Rovers fans coming down? And now, you know, I'm not going to say you put loads and loads of planning into it, but there was there was a bit and it was just great to see it come off, you know? So tell us about growing up in Rings End and getting rings run around your boy Cabo. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> was just, can we skip that question? <laughs> <laughs> and I was good because we are all we are all good mates, and um, I live in the flats, and there's four blocks of flats, but between the second and third one, they used to be fields. Now a car park. But everyone from like where Cabo lives in around the estate, and then the flats that used to be just where we go to play football, yeah. and there be no to be age differences of maybe eight up to 16 like I remember a time where we built goals literally found wood and built goals and got nets and put them up and I was literally used to think that was the Aviva and yeah, you yeah. just love it so it was just a great uh, great thing to be just playing football in around the early we'll go back to rapid fire Jody here we? Uh, Jody best friend in the dressing room at Milltown best friend best friend mm. That's a hard question because I have to say one thing about that Rovers team. Like we got on, to, like I've been with other teams and clubs after that, and there was always clicks. There was always clicks here, there, and everywhere in clubs. Yeah, that Rovers team had no clicks. Everybody got on so well together, and it probably one of the reasons why it done so well too. Like you know, um, McLaughlin was kind of a man that he wouldn't entertain. If he thought there was a click or thought somebody, he'd get rid of somebody, you know, he'd be out the door. Yeah. So it's hard to say who, you, did you have a best friend? Mm -hmm. You know, when we, like, we meet up 20 years later and it's like we've only left each other a few weeks ago. Oh, that's ago. brilliant. You know, it, it, it doesn't take you half an hour to get back into, it's just like, how are you, and you sit It's like you're back in the dressing room with Glen Malora, yeah? Yeah, and it's, it, like, so, I wouldn't say of one best friend as such from from the Rovers here as such we all just got on well there was no yeah. there was never any clicks or anything like that you know who would have been a figurehead in that dressing room would have been Pat Bourne or Pat Bourne and Keeley I heard a, I heard a story about Mick Bourne on his debut he did something with a flick and he got he got a slap in the half time or he got up with a scuff of the neck boy, against the wall. Was it? Yeah. But I think it was Pat or Mick one of them one of the yeah, Pap, I mean, the high standards, Keely and Pap Warren, like, you know, I mean, they were the two, you know, and Noel King as well. Noel was there as well as a player. Yeah. You know, so, like, it. Coaching boys, Noel always gets a bit of uh, praise. Now, we're, we're not fans yeah. of Noel King, to be honest, and his <coughs> current day escapades, but apparently, yeah. as a coach during the Milltown area, he was, he was yeah, excellent. Well, he was assistant manager, switch to, to McLaughlin, a player playing as yeah. well, like, you know, and um, his coaching was always good, you know. Um, I have played under him as well for Rovers. Yeah. Because I was, it wasn't only four years; it was seven years with Rovers. Mm. You know, we went through the best four years that they probably ever had, and then the worst three <laughs> the worst, years that yeah. they ever where we ended up playing in Talca Park and Dalyvale Park, and they didn't have a washer. And you know, what made you stick around? What made you think? Do you know, well, everybody's going yeah. to Derry. Everybody yeah. was going off with Jim. Yeah. They went up north. No, what I made was you happy think? To stay, had you an offer to go? Not really, as such. Um, I was probably under contract, but that didn't mean you had to stay. Um, I did read. I did. Um, I like. 
I was under contract when we were playing in Talca. Right, I think when Noel King came in, I signed a new contract, you yeah. know? Yeah. John McNamara had taken us over, you know, he, he bought it off to the coins for a pound or something, was it? Or something like that. I think that's what it was, I think it literally was a pound, like yeah, that, you might yeah. be right. And I mean, he didn't really have the money to put to put into, you know, rebuilding a team. Um, but I mean, his heart was in the right place, you know, it was either that or it probably would have went to the wall. Yeah. That's how close, how bad it was at the time, you know? Um, and the lads were outside the ground, the keeper was at Milltown. That was tough, you know, the, the, especially the year we were in Talca. You know, after winning the double in Milltown and then we're playing in Talca the next year, and most of the supporters are standing outside on a picket line. It, and what are we talking, you know, attendance wise, you're talking. Like, Very there'd have been a couple of hundred in the ground that would have went, there'd have been more outside the ground no, than, yeah. than there was in the ground. Yeah. Now, they went, the protests weren't aimed at us. They, yeah. they didn't, I mean, they knew we had to go in to play. It was they were trying to keep other supporters from going in to put the pinch on the Kilcoyans yeah, as such. Yeah. You know, it was a, you know, it was a horrendous year. But so. that would nearly create a civil war within the fan base as well because you've got people passing the picket, yeah. and we had other fans talk about this where yeah. one person would pass pass the picket and they'd be in rails outside yeah. or someone would be on yeah. the picket yeah. as well. Yeah. So it could be families where one of them would yeah. go in and one of them would be outside. It was probably like a, a civil war in a way, yeah. like you know, you know, depending on one. Fella might say, well, if we don't go in and pay our money, we'll have no club. And you're just standing outside on a picket line, you know, this is the way to do it. Yeah. We, we, we'd squeeze them, you know. But um, it, was, it wasn't a great three years now, I have to say. Yeah, I'd imagine know. so, yeah. yeah. Playing in Dalyman Park was a nice, <laughs> you know, I think of two years in Dalyman, one year in Talca and two years. But some happier memories now, Prof. Yeah, we're about to ask you all the best and worst European memory, but uh, what about <laughs> you, Milner? Best and worst European memory? Well, to be honest, I haven't had too many bad European memories. Uh, best one obviously has to be sports. Um, just coming over there to obviously four stories team qualifying for a group stage, the occasion, the amount of fans that went over, going one up. Um, the worst occasion I lost my wallet in Bergen that's probably yeah. <laughs> <laughs> after too, you're, after you're too many points you're digging it as well <laughs> that was probably it but yeah I'll take that as a as a bad memory if, we, if the good memories keep coming but on, on, on the topic of Europe um, it's kind of whittled down to who we can and can't get now it's, a, it's quite vague but where, where do you want to go? do you want you want Latvia I, I'm like, I'm, I like Latvia but you know what I'll take Linfield I'll take a handy, one, not a handy one, but logistically <laughs> bring a bring yeah. bring a big crowd, get up there, get through. That like like Gano said, that first round, the fourth, huge. The first round, the first round is massive, so we get the easiest thing possible in that first round because the way it works, if you get through the first round, you're in the Europa League. If you lose, and you're, gu- you're guaranteed a playoff. You win one game. I think if it's right, you're in second round Champions League, third round Europa, and then. Uh, playoff conference league that's even if you lose you all after that so like you just have to win the fourth one that's massive to the club because you're going into a playoff that the club is the club's after geared and oh, the, the board is after geared and the club towards that's their model now is to make the conference yeah. league so it's so important to win the fourth one fourth round so give us uh, give us anyone and then we'll go from there mm. well the easiest team and we'll go from there and Jody, best and worst European well, memory. We, we only got one go there, really. It's all different now, like, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, there wasn't as many countries because, I mean, the Soviet Union was just one big country, you know. Yeah. The Ukraine, we, we played, well, I played in the Ukraine. That was for Shelburne. But, like, there was, there was no seeding. 
You, you could literally draw anybody. In the European you Cup, you were two games away from the quarterfinals. In the European Cup? In the 80s, you were basically two wins from the two quarterfinals. From the quarterfinals, yeah. yeah but the, you're, look who we were drawn. We drew Hanved, yeah. you know, who had previously won the European Cup. What was the name of Star on that the, team? He was brilliant. The, the Tari. Yeah. 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 yeah, he was supposed to be the next big... But he, he sort of fiddled out a little bit, fizzed out a little bit, you know. Mm. He didn't really... They, they were supposed to be the next big superstar, you know. And then what happened for them? I mean, they had won the European Cup, I don't know, maybe five or six years, something previous, because they mm. were the army team in, in Hungary. So you had, you, they were all, they were still communists, you know. Yeah, yeah. And then we got Celtic, you know. So the draw wasn't, wasn't uh, the coins. You know, was well, Linfield and, and Nicosia, we probably should have beat them too, you know. That was another one that got away from us. See, we were still semi-professional. We were playing against... Every time you played against was full time. Are you working at the time? Were you we were all working. Yeah. There was no full time. There was no, no, no everyone had a job. There wasn't a full time player in, in, in the in the whole country. And it was a three yeah. nights a week training? And yeah, well, in Milltown we played Sunday. So it was just Tuesday night, Thursday night, Saturday morning. Yeah. Played Sunday and yeah. then back again, you know, and you were training after your day's work, like, you know, mm. getting yourself up to Milltown and whatever, the three of hours. Yeah. And aside from Milltown, did you have a favourite ground to play in? Maybe in a, a favourite away ground? Um, I liked playing in Talca Park. I always liked, you know, the pitch was always sort of decent in Talca mm. Park. It was tight little ground. Didn't particularly like playing in Daily Mount. That no. was very open and bare, you know. Um, probably Talca Park would have been the, the, the I mean, the grounds weren't great then. You know, they, I know they're still not great, but they're, they're a hundred times better. I don't think they changed much. They're a hundred times better than, the, than they were uh, back in the day. Like you know, and the pitches were dreadful, except for Milltown. You know, Milltown was just a different, different class. Like yeah. you know. And Mooner, favourite away day, Mister Away day. Favourite away day. I always say I like Sligo. It's always on a Saturday. Well, I know it's Friday, because, um, the last game, but yeah, Saturday's always a good day. No one really has to struggle with um, getting time off working. Everyone's in good spirits. Yeah. I always like Sligo, even though you maybe should treat us a bit better. But. <laughs> <laughs> the shames. The shames. <laughs> and give us your most treasured possession in football that you've won or had anything, Joey? Mine, yeah. Uh, well, I suppose my league medals yeah. would be the. Was there any league in know? particular that you. The first, league, the first league, league was, was fantastic, you know, it was 20 years, I think it was 21 years, was it, was it 20, 21 years, since they won the league, you know, and to come in young and, you know, I remember even Doc and all, we used to have a point with Doc on Sunday night after in Gleason's, and if he win the league it'll be brilliant, I mean, they were supporting Rose for years, um, Ed Saul's mother and they were, you know, we used to meet up with them in Gleason's yeah. on Sunday night after the matches in Milltown and and then when we did win it, like it was fantastic. That, that first year was really special, like you know, I have to say. And Mona, we'll talk a little bit about Brad's. Are we asked you the same questions that we asked the guys? Oh, you're gonna ask me the best. All <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't say it. Then he woke up and I was eight. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, um, tell me about your initial reaction when you heard the rumours that Brad's was gonna go, and then tell me your levels of despair yeah. as the days went on. Um, we'd probably echo what Sean was saying um, that you know when you heard he was gonna go, you're gonna be good, but you have to you realise that he is gonna eventually go, and you have to respect him for that. What he's, I would have been maybe you know be the force to me. I would have been one of the ones that maybe would have called for his head when we were going through that rough patch. Yeah. And 
I, I still always said it. If he had been sacked at that time, there was no one that could have said it wouldn't have been justified. And fair play to the board that stuck by him. Um, so that's one thing. And then, but the leaving now is completely different because what he's at that building. The you hear how well the players speak about him. Gano's after being on there. Cavo, the way they're after being speaking about him, and he must have something in the dressing room that other managers don't. Yeah. Um, so that's your big worry. Um, if someone like that leaves the dressing room, you're gonna there was there was previous rovers people mentioned, but you don't know if that's gonna work out. But when when the news broke, I was expecting we got told the night before. Aye, it's gonna break in the news that he's gone, and nothing came out. And then the next morning, the rovers were sending emails. We got the exact same like news as well. Yeah, it's like ten minutes so before yeah, recording, we were taking it. Was what literally we like do. chalk and cheese yeah. for the emotion. So uh, I was delighted he was staying, and I think. Um, I really think if he said the the board is gonna back him now and I think where the club really has the the chance to push on here. So I'm yeah, it's, it's, it's massive that he's staying. I mean, like we said, I think Sean mentioned it that we can not possibly prepare for his departure, but at least we know what it feels like yeah. now to have his imminent yeah. departure upon us. Yeah, my big thing was that like from from what they do day to day, what they've instilled in the club, you're just gonna just take that away and yeah. it doesn't exist yeah. anymore. What was gonna happen on the training yeah. ground? Uh, whoever stepped in would he just think oh, I'm going to tear this down and yeah. have my own way of initiating what I want to yeah. do that's what my big big uh, the similar thing happened when Michael and he left yeah everyone yeah. thought it was just going to continue on whole new ethos whole new way of yeah. way of managing the like whole team which you was saying earlier on I actually thought that team was going to do the four in a row that Michael O'Neill team yeah. you know and then obviously when he went even though he's basically still had the same players but it's Still didn't really. You could write a book on that saga. Uh, you know, on yeah. that nine months, was yeah. it nine months that Kenny was there? Prof. Yeah. Get that. Yeah. Book has been written. The book has been written. <laughs> yeah. But that <laughs> saga alone, I'd love to get some actual honesty about it because yeah. we know the reasons. We personally, I think I know why Stephen Kenny left. But I'd love to get some honest opinions from the players that were in that dressing room on why they didn't take it. Take them. That's what it was ultimately. Yeah. The players we, didn't take them. We we similar with the four in a row because Jim McLaughlin managed the first three, and then he went to Derry. And Keely, who was a player, came in as player manager for the for the fourth year. So what was the difference like between Keely and the, McLaughlin? Well, Massive. The, it wasn't. We still went on and won the double, like you yeah. know. I mean, it wasn't like Keely. They sort of thought similar, to, you know, and they were good friends as well. But it could have easily went belly up because ah, Keely, he's your mate. We've been playing with him for the last three years. Yeah, yeah. Now all of a sudden he's the manager. So yeah, although you huge respect from. As a player, now you had to you had to earn his spurs as a manager. Yeah. yeah, and he had never managed. Well, he had a little spell with UCD, you know, for three months or four months. Yeah. And was there much of a difference between techniques and style of play and what he wanted? No, no. Play continued on. Similar, but yeah, similar, yeah. But he came probably a little bit more on the defensive end of it because because he was a defender. Yeah. But he'd be tackling tractors and everything. He was able to bring that, you know, and keep us going, like you know, which is. The credit to him, like you know. I mean, are you old enough to have seen Jody play? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> just throw that one in. But do you have a question for him nonetheless? Um, yeah. So obviously, being such a legend, uh, legend, <laughs> a legend, we're in the League of Ireland. Since you've finished playing, and the League of Ireland has progressed. Who would be your standout keeper from all? Not it doesn't have to be Rovers. Who would be your standout keeper from since you finished? Since I finished, well, 
But that was sorry. You obviously well, still watch the league. I don't even know. I don't even know what year you finished. Well, I finished it about two thousand, uh, two thousand one or two. Yeah. yeah, but I went on to coach. Like yeah. I mean, I coached Gary Rogers for three yeah. or four years, and he and I mean when I coached Gary, he was struggling to get into the draw of the team. He was struggling to get into the Pats team. Really? And he ended up going on, and he hadn't won a league at this stage. And I don't know how many he's won now, about yeah. seven or eight, is it? That's all down um, to your coach and a good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like Dan Connor was a good keeper, but I mean, even um, Alan Manis, I mean, you look at the career he's had, international goalkeeper, you know, and how old is he, 39 now? Yeah, yeah. Busy, you know? What are your thoughts That's on nasty. Alan's career at Rovers and his future as well in the next. Alan Manis. Alan Manis, yeah. Have you have you seen him play in the last couple well, of seasons? Just, I haven't seen him live. I've seen, I watched the match the other night, yeah. I mean, he looks fairly fit and yeah. you know I mean see, obviously he's going to have to call it a day at some stage only he'll know that yeah. what sort of condition his body's in and you know obviously you lose a little bit of sharpness as you get older but then yeah. you have the head and the experience kicks in you know your position is probably a little bit better although I thought he might have stopped that goal the other night hope he's not listening to this <laughs> so but, uh, no, I'd, I'd say there could be another year or so and I mean Gary played till he was 40 or 41 yeah you know, I think it is so, a, it is an issue, and we got I yeah. got hammered for it by Bradzer in our in our play of the year awards for asking about if there's a potential replacement. But as yeah. fans, it's what we want to know, and yeah. I can understand why he, why he did get offended and why yeah. he didn't want to answer it. But it is a massive question for the fans to ask yeah. about who's going to replace him. Yeah, but a manager can't you know start talking about yeah. replacing Very true. A, a player that's currently playing. Yeah. You know what I mean? He has to say, yeah, look, he's going to play as long <laughs> as he can. You can't say, oh well, I have actually someone lined up here when he, you know, next year or whatever. Yeah. So you can understand where Stevens coming from there. You know, I don't know who, who's in the reserves. Um, we'll probably talk there. about other players off other teams to, instead. I think McGinty off Sligo will probably be the number one choice for a lot of fans yeah. in the league. Other than that, if they can, if if they can pull someone out of out of the reserves, I don't think there is. Yes, They've got yeah. well, Tom Lettuce there. In yeah. <laughs> that young Tom, that Tom Lettis in the reserves. I'm not sure. Keen Clark was seen well, but Ed has snapped him up at Crumlin. He's having the season of his life as well. So we're not sure who what's going to happen next. And it is it's something that we haven't talked about actually because we've been playing so well and the season's been going on. It's I've forgotten about it. I've forgotten yeah. about that we actually have to replace Alan Manis yeah. in six months. So it is. But well, thanks. That's that's me and everybody. Give him a round of applause. Thanks very much. And now we're going to replace him with his father, Richie. Jump in here, Rich. No holes barred from Rich. <laughs> so you're very welcome to the show, Rich. And tell us uh, your standout memories of Jody as a player and his time at the Hoops. Um, it's a funny one because the ball went out when he spoke when we won the league. 1994 in the RDS. Probably disagree with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were playing for Shells. I was playing for the dark. Thank you, Joey. Told you, Richard. I was playing for Shells. I was playing for the dark, yeah, yeah. That's the joke between me and Justin. So that was the only reason you came right under the Trump Joes. That was the famous pitch that used to come up in chunks. Yeah, the ball jumped out with a foot. Did you have to get injections? Did you have to get injections, Horace? No, I was playing. So you were playing. <laughs> have you any questions for Jody yourself and about his time at Rome? I know all about him. Yeah. <laughs> so, 
So let's hear about your memories of leaving Milltown and the extremely difficult time. So tell us about your memories of when, uh, when it happened. I can tell you when it started going to Milltown. Yeah, start off the there. Yeah. It started off in 1965, which is a long time ago. It's the tail end of the six in a row, wasn't it? No, it's only starting. Well, it was in the middle of the six. In the middle, was it? In the middle of it, yeah. So, um, uh, two uncles of mine came around to my. They used to live around Silla Gardens. We lived in the flats, and out of the blues, two uncles of mine came around in the car and said, We take the envelope to Mill, said to my mother, We take me the envelope to Milltown Sunday afternoon. Yeah, so up I goes in the back of the car and got hooked then, believe it or not, got hooked at the, the age of eight. You must have been rich at a car in 1964. We hadn't got a car, the uncle's had. So we went up to um, Milltown and that started it off. He used to park in front of it. The the, the uncle, he's still alive at the moment, the uncle. He's um, Tony Dalton is his name. One of them is dead, the other fellow's dead, Richard. But um, bring me up and park right in front of the, the big gates at Milltown Park. This is the VIP section, wasn't it? The VIP, yeah, because uh, he sold the papers in, in the church in Milltown. Ah. And um, that's what made him. He just fell it around to the house that was parked in front of my house. Man. So we didn't have to walk up to Milltown Road. We were, we were lazy. Yeah. But that was at the age of eight or something. And then, and then uh, my next memory was 1967. We went to uh, Daily Mount. We were playing Pats in the Cup final. This was the first televised final, wasn't it? No, the first know. one on TV. I went live. I didn't know why they watching on telly. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, we went, um, we were 2 1 down at half time, and at that, that stage, used to change ends. So we were walking around, and all of a sudden, I heard a Pats apart saying, Don't forget, I'm only 10 at this time. I heard a Pats apart saying, You know what? We'll give you the chance in the second half. I just went on to win 3-2 as you know and that was one of my first real memories at the age of 10 and I mean, that stuck out with you you can oh, right. so you got your hook tell you I always bring it up yeah, 1967 <laughs> 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 you know at the age of 10 watching Rovers winning cups so so when Rovers were leaving Milltown and you were obviously from Rings End and there was a lot of people a lot of the fans were from here did you ever have any fans approaching you about what was happening or and you could you were on the ground you could say you yeah. were with the troops on the ground and you were probably a little bit closer than the rest of the players yeah they, they, they weren't approaching you like you know as in giving you a bit of stick over they knew like we were players and we had to go and play I mean you'd be walking into Talca Park and even the, I don't know what the problem you outside you were outside some of them were out and some of them were in now they weren't trying to stop you but there was a little bit of you know Bargy, bargy, back and forth, yeah. Used to go on, and um, it wasn't a nice time to be there, like, you know, yeah. and the, the feeling around was just terrible, like, you know. Um, and, I mean, would we have won the league that year if we were in Milltown? I think we still had the same team, we'd won the double, you know. Do you think so, yeah? Yeah, it, it had a huge effect on, on the players, like, you know. It was a bit, there was a bit of a coup to keep that team together as well, considering you left Milltown, wasn't it? Most of them would have been probably under contract, right. it was then the end of that year when uh, a lot of them went the likes of Doolin and Mick Neville and Kevin Brady went up to Derry like, mm. you know because Derry were starting to take off then that was their fourth Mc, season in the McLaughlin league am I right was, was it 88 after taking over well he'd been in the league no it was the, the fourth, league, in the fourth, fourth division. division yeah King was managing then McLaughlin 
there was a bit of a row there with them and right. um, McLaughlin took over so he was then poaching the Rovers players yeah, yeah, you know? and there he had a few quid and Rovers were sort of going downhill because no, the coins didn't they just wanted to sell Milltown and make our money and you know so the writing was sort of on the wall there for a few years the heck went up yeah John Cody yeah and when you did leave the hoops, you went on to win, uh, was it two more league titles? Shelburne yeah, and Dundalk? Yeah, I won a league with Shells and I won a league with Dundalk, yeah. Uh, when I left, um, when Pat Bourne took over at Shells as manager, and um, my contract was up. We were, were always were playing in Daily Mount at the time. Kinger was the manager, my contract was up, and uh, Pat approached me, and Shells were getting a few quid, they were starting to sign players they were bringing the likes of Mick Neville back from Derry and Paul Dillon and Kevin Brady so Pat asked me to sign so I signed I think it was five years won a league and a cup probably should have won two leagues one of them really got away from us yeah, yeah. Um, after that then I went to Dundalk Keighley there Keighley was the manager of Dundalk I won a league then with Dundalk and oh, was that the 94 95 side? Mm. Uh, oh no, sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So we'll talk about Dermot Keighley as well because Dermot was publicly taking sides with the Kilcoins, am I right? So was there anything in the dressing room from that? From, from like, was the, were the players split? And were, was there anyone trying to get, get, like, get. Yeah. What I'm trying to say is that was the dressing room split between Kilcoins and maybe other people involved with the club? I, I don't know whether Dermot was taking sides with the Kilcoins. But he publicly Dermot, said he did, didn't he? Well, well, like he was the yeah. manager of the team. His, his job was to manage the football team. You know, get them training, get them playing. His his job wasn't to say, well, we're playing in Milltown or we're playing in Talca yeah. or whatever. His job was to manage. And I, I don't know whether he public took the side. But he probably couldn't go against them. You yeah. know what I mean? Because to do that, he would have probably had to walk out. Bit of a rock and a hard place, really, you know as well, I mean? wasn't so it? So he's in a situation where his job was to get this team to win another league and another cup, and we wanted to we wanted to keep going. We felt there was a lot more leagues in that team. Yeah. I know Ben in the interview would say, um, people think uh, if they'd have stayed in Milltown, he would have won. He doesn't think that he thinks it was coming towards the end anyway. Oh, yeah. I disagree. I think because that four in a row team evolved all the time. It was yeah. never the one. I mean, the first year was Campbell and Buckley. They were gone after the first year. When they left, did you think? Fuck. Well, but they were replaced by Mick Bourne and now Larkin. Mm. But when you was know, the last Lee time you've ever seen that happen? Left, John Cody left, Jacob McDonough left, yeah, Noel King left. All top quality players all left and they were all replaced over the years. Do you know what I mean? When you look at that turnover though, the turnover from those two goal scorers to bring in another two goal scorers, that's unheard of. Uh, yeah. Uh, when you think about yeah. it. And they just and I mean bringing in Noel Larkin, I mean Noel Larkin had retired from football. Yeah. And McLaughlin went to him. A centre uh, half as well, wasn't he? Got him. Like, half, yeah. Correct. And just banged in and him and Mick Mick Bourne just clicked like, yeah. on and off the pitch. And the amount of goals they got, like, you know. But like we lost so many players over the four years, but we, they were always replaced. And I think if we'd have stayed in Milltown, you know, with the Kilcoyne still putting a few quid into it, yeah. Any players, I don't think the likes of Doolan and Mick Neville and Kevin Brady and John Cody would have left Milltown to go up to play Derry and yeah. travel up there every Friday night to play of a Saturday night. You used to have to stay. Oh, you know, huge. They, 
be all the families and all like you know I'd imagine if our, I, if I our own that, house was in order I think, I think they would have stayed they would have stayed yeah, yeah without a shadow of a doubt yeah uh, Richie, yeah. you've told us there how you went to your first uh, Rovers games, but uh, yeah. talk about growing up in Rings End. Like any early memories of childhood growing up in Rings End? Yeah, into football. Really, I didn't know anything about Rovers at the time until the two uncles came down and brought me. That's the first introduction I got to, to Rovers. But um, I, d- I did see them playing over here in the Orange Town Stadium. But it wasn't a league. It wasn't a league game. But it was some sort of a match. My mother used to sell sweets like a dealer. She used to, she was a dealer. <laughs> the first thing. No, I don't mean this. <laughs> you said it, Joey. You didn't want to say it. A hawker. A hawker, sorry. Wrong word. Wrong word, sorry. <laughs> But was there was there a connection growing up? Could you could was there a big Rovers contingent in Rings End when you were growing up? From the age of eight, I only started when I yeah. was eight, you know. But my, my when I was growing up up to the to teens, all it was all uh, Shelbourne Rovers yeah. and Shelbourne, yeah, yeah, that's it. Big rivalry. Bohemians didn't Milner as a, as you know, he didn't know anything about Rovers and Shells. Robbers and Bowers is all the, 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 the mm. modern day. Yeah. It's all Robbers, Bowers, Bowers, Bowers. To me and the likes of Mr. Clayton over there, he's we're all Robbers shells. Yeah. We, we, we were so you're happy to see them back in the league then? Well, I'm happy because it's an easy 12 points. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that was their game. That was their game, yeah. Robbers and Shells was their game. We used to just live when Robbers and Hamlet. If you bet shells, we only played them twice at the time, didn't it? Yeah. If you bet them, oh, that was the end of this. That was their season. When yeah. they won the league or not, that was their yeah. season. Beating shells was their season. So, what does Rovers and Rings End mean to you? Like, I mean, when you think of just, Rovers and Rings End, what's, what's it mean to you? It just means the whole. You know, like, look at, look at. Every Friday we go to a game, there's three generations of the Kiernans. I have two grandchildren going, I have Moon, and I have. I, have a, 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 I wouldn't call him a son in law, he's a partner of my daughter. Not yet, anyway. But anyway, he, like a he was brought up as a bow supporter, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> he was brought up as a bow supporter, not going to games and all yeah, that, but yeah. Yeah. a harsh bow supporter. Now he's at, he's Robbers, 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 because he's so he's his son and my other daughter's son. Absolutely. He's no choice. Fanatics. Mm. Fanatics. That's it just it's the, the Moon will tell you the proudness that I do have when we're down here singing and the robber songs. To have a family like that is unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Milner wanted me to ask you this. He says, you've seen a League of Ireland select team play against Argentina. In 1978. Uh, John Giles played against. This was the year Argentina were in the World Cup. That's right. You're probably going to presume this is Danny Mount Park we're talking about, but no, we're talking about in Argentina. What? What What were you doing there? I was walking on the ships. In Argentina? In Argentina, yeah. And you saw this Argentina team play... Was it River Plate Stadium? River Plate Stadium, yeah. They, they bet uh, the League of Ireland 3-1, managed by the League of Ireland. Ring that man on the team, Greg. 
Abel Greg. Eamon Greg. Was it Eamon? Eamon, yeah. And well, tell us about the game. What are your memories of that game? Ah, well, it was 29 of us off the ship. We were out. I'm trying to name an Argentinian <laughs> beer here to see which. Yeah. What's the name of an Argentinian no, beer? Aquilmez. No, There's too many of them. I wouldn't be able to tell you about that. <laughs> I was too young. I was only 41. <laughs> <laughs> No, so tell us about the game itself. The game itself was, we just, this guy came down to the ship and said to us, Irlanda is playing Argentina. April, I think. I don't know, I don't know what even month it was. In, um, so we went down and we had to go to the skipper. Mm. Skipper of the ship. He was from Ringsland. Tommy Bourne. There you go. Jeez. <laughs> anyway, this, we had to go to the skipper and ask him for permission to get this fellow to get us tickets and he paid the money this we hadn't got the money so when anyway we are 29 of us off the ship went and we walked up the river plate up the main street and singing ireland of troy colors and all ireland 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 and the kids as you were in the 70s you know and all, they, all, they, all they wanted was but anyway we got into the ground and the first thing that i that i seen that i never seen before was the moat around the river plate yeah. and moat so if the ball goes down the moat the play you can't get onto the pitch anyway yeah so three the, the score ended up 3-1 to argentina and the next day this guy comes down the i think it was the padre or the mission the seaman's mission right. he comes down with the papers shown as well papers slated argentina the same team that won the world cup yeah they slated them absolutely slated them but not scored in 10 or more against uh, an amateur Irish show. and who, who what big names were playing for Argentina that day uh, I don't know Pele uh, was the only one I can remember yeah and uh, I do believe that Maradona came on as a sub you saw Maradona in the flesh yeah. you know I've seen, well, seen him before in the flesh not only that I didn't realise he came on as a sub so there was a few beers involved and no we only done research <laughs> 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 oh, Richie, thanks for that. It's been brilliant. So let's give Richie a round of applause. Finished. Well, so next up we have Kieran Stafford. So, a big round of applause, please. <laughs> so, Stafford. We're probably known as Stafford's, uh, Stafford's dad's son now at this stage. How can he dad's rant on the last interview? It was, um, it was your idea for the show. So, tell us what inspired it. Um, a loads of different reasons. I just think again, like suppose I'm sick of listening to me dad going on about how Jody isn't appreciated enough. <laughs> That's one of the reasons. Um, I just think it's something that needs to be highlighted and how big a thing Rings End is when it comes to Rovers. I don't think some people maybe again go back to me dad saying about Rings End boys. I don't think it's appreciated enough at times, and I just think it's good to kind of hone in on the connection with the club and, and how big a thing it is in, in, the, in the locality. And that's something as well, that you don't want that actual connection to die as well, so you've got the likes of the Borough Hoops are coming through now, Carlo Hoops exist now, they got in touch with us there the other day, looking for a shout out, so you're hoping that this kind of inspires other little enclaves of, of Dubliners to kind of just bring it out and, and yeah, form yeah. their own SCs. Particularly at the moment, like when, I know, I know Ed has uh, touched on it in his thing, like with the, the, the Pride Rings end the moment, is. It's unbelievable the numbers you have at the moment been from all ages, from, from old to young. It's incredible the, the, the amount of members we have at the moment and it's it's great to see like and as Ed touched on again, like 
you see him bringing Riley to games and uh, as he quoted like being you know, kids hanging out of his arse it's, 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 it's unbelievable to see you know the kids that, that are there and how many kids are involved in the supporters club like sure like even with Dan like Dan like because I'm like I still see Dan as a child and you see him now like and <laughs> you see him now and like you know he, he's an integral part of the supporters club he's on the bus every single week so um it's it, it's a great time to be to be part of the supporters club and uh, as a wider kind of Rovers thing. And talk about growing up in Rings End, getting into Rovers, and please try and keep it a bit shorter than your dad. <laughs> in fairness, in my defence, I did warn you that he was going to ramble on, and I did also warn him not to ramble on. So all fell on deaf ears. You can take that whatever way you want. Um, I suppose we've got a bit of a bum deal here in the sense that I'm just going to reiterate what what Mayoner said and what what both Cabo and Sean said like my childhood in Rings End was you know playing football for Cambridge and just playing football non-stop it's 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 an illness in this area it's no coincidence that there's so many incredible footballers that have come you know man sitting here to be right hand so it's there's no coincidence there's so many incredible footballers that have come from this area um, I think even now like if you ask me, even my old mates growing up like all we did we were growing up was playing football that's all we knew that's all we ever really did, um, and it's like even to this day, like obviously with the facilities you have in the park now, all you see is you know young lads still playing football all the time. It's 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 great to see, and you know long may it continue. But even when it goes back to the numbers that you're getting for the games, they're they're, they're massive. And it used to be just me going to the games with the prof, and then Jaden when he came of age, my son, I started bringing him. He wants to go all the time, but now. So, it's, you'll notice up at, the, at, at Block X it's my whole gang you got my wife my three kids they all want to go now it's it's the cool thing to, to do but I think once we're setting examples and we're, and you guys are showing the enthusiasm that you do it rubs off on people like that enthusiasm really does rub off on people and I think it, I'd like to say that it has rubbed off on my whole family because we're all at the home games now way days are different that's for the dads <laughs> but um, it's, it's something that inspires other people as well and that's what we want to kind of push through as a collective from Tifties as well from what we started with our social engineering project years ago is what we used to always say that we wanted to just bring people together and I think that we've succeeded and now you've got people like the Friday Rings End who are gra- grabbing the torch and running, running away with it now 31 30 people to every home game on a bus is unbelievable I take those numbers from the way they all day yeah it is so numbers and I mean I suppose People will argue that the current vein of form and how how you know the, the football that the you know the Rovers are playing and, and how everything is going in the right direction at the moment. But you would like to think that even if and again the crowds like you look at the crowds even for a Monday night like there was three and a half thousand people there on on, on a Monday night. So there was times in the last ten years you'd be getting that on a Friday night for big games. Yeah, like you know we, we've sold out. You know, there's the seven thousand people at a couple of games this season, and that's that's serious number. So you'd like to think, even if you kept, you know, touch wood, if things ever went south at any given time, that even if seventy four percent it is these young people growing up and supporting Rovers caught the bug, that you know, similar to myself and my owner growing up, that it sticks with you no matter. Like as as I don't know what it was Dan or Sean caught with the Warrior years, which sent a shiver down my spine. <laughs> when he caught that was, but we stuck with them, and you know, um, here we are in 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 the in the rich vein of farm that we find. So, probably um, um, six to people. One question I didn't have time to ask you that actually was: uh, you wanted me <laughs> to talk <laughs> show? <you for> <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you wanted me to repay me or went off? That's what it was. <laughs> you wanted me to ask him about the day the supporters club played a league game with a football that was kicked out of Talca 
during the European game when we were boycotting outside. So can you tell the story on his behalf? Well, see, I don't really know if we can... See, the problem is with me dad is that he's told so many stories consistently over the years that I sort of chilled out a long time ago because he tells them so often. So I, oh, I genuinely don't know who the game was against. Was, uh, well, it was a European game at Talca Park. It was Omni and Nicosia. Yeah, that's right, oh, yeah. yeah. Fair enough, Joe. Yeah. We'll, we'll chime in on this one. Yeah. Um, but by all accounts, there was a ball kicked into the into the, the river end. And my dad was obviously playing for the Hoops SA at the time. And someone retrieved the ball from the river. And um, they had a game the following morning. And the ball was used in the game. <laughs> Surely that ball's whereabouts can be located. Yeah. Well, I doubt because if, if it's anything to go by the standard of people that be dad was playing left over them, you best believe it probably ended up in the back arse of some park at some point. But staff will talk about your um, question for Jody. Have you anything you want to ask Jody about his I talk long and hard about this and I had to listen to me be dad's interview. <laughs> I had to listen to be dad's interview a few times because he, he covers every sort of yard. My one question would be you know, you played a successful team and, and with, with the current Rovers squad and the way we play being so much possession-based and in fairness to Manus, and it's something that maybe people don't credit him enough for when he was here the first time under Michael O'Neill, he was an exceptional goalkeeper, but his main focus was being a goalkeeper. Now, I might be a bit traditional in the sense that I don't really give a fuck if the goalkeeper can play out of the back. I really don't. Once he can... You know, save the you know goal scoring opportunities. I don't really give a bollocks about whether he can play out of the back. What? How would you have adapted to them? And, and sorry, focusing on Manus again. Something that he's been incredible in the sense that since he's come back is that he's he, he played a ball the other night. And people might or may or that were at the game the other night. Yeah, may or may remember or, this. He yeah. fucking pinged the ball about thirty yards. Right? <laughs> I couldn't believe what I was watching. Right? <laughs> how in this? Modern Rovers team, would you have adapted to playing out of the back? Or would you have said, fuck that, I'll just focus on being a goalkeeper? Well, I mean, when I played for Rovers, we were allowed to pick the ball up in the back. Yeah, that's true, yeah. the... <laughs> but No, but we had to adapt because halfway through my career, when I was with Shells, the rules the changed. Rules taken out, yeah. So the back pass, you weren't allowed yeah. to pick the ball up, so you had to be you had to be decent with your feet. Um, well, I didn't play in goal till I was 15. I was a left full, even though I was a right foot player. When I played for Cambridge, I was left full till I was 15. 15 How did you end up coming go? Well, I always played gay. Everybody else was almost better than you. Know. <laughs> <laughs> I was a short left full. So they didn't even give you a, sh- a rifle, they just fucked no, you in yeah, goal. Yeah. But, uh, no, well, I played a bit of gar and uh, I used to play in goal and train and all that. So, um, no, you always fancy playing in goal as well. So at 15, Marmo, Marmo, a goalkeeper. goalkeeper. He actually, <laughs> he, he actually had to go into Kappa. He had a, a sort of a thing wrong with his spine. He had to go in for traction, like you know, not for giggling away. Not for picking the ball out of the back of the net. <laughs> so his sort of career was finished. So he was putting goal at fifteen. So um, the rest I, is think, I think I would have dealt out. Well, I, I think for someone we had to adapt halfway through yeah. our career. I think yeah, yeah actually never, I never took the, the back pass um, thing into consideration when that initially came in the rule how did you feel and yeah, the other keepers the goalkeepers union as they fairness, say I mean you must remember the pitches weren't as good as they are now mm. so, so a lot of places you went the back pass was bobbling up around your knee mm. I mean that Richie thought about the one in, in the RDS I mean I was out at the edge of the box but I was at the where the, the corner of the box yeah 
and it was fast back and it was rolling lovely and I pulled on it and it popped up and it hit me shin guard and it spun all the way and spun and spun and went in, in off the far post if I was there till today I couldn't do what I don't <laughs> no matter how much I practiced freak that, of yeah, that was just the pitch that was the pitch look you know um, the pitches are better now yeah, you know, you can some keep, of them are well yeah in general, yeah, yeah. No, I think we adapted okay. I mean, I did make a few hookups, but... You've the medal to prove, though. You've the medal to prove. So, uh, for those of you listening at home now, we have Best Effort and Ed Saul, and the prof sat down with them earlier this week, and this is a brilliant, brilliant interview with some... Mm. Ben's he's, he's knocking you for stats now, prof, as well, mm. so you're, you're, he's coming up on your rear end. So, um, this is Ed Saul and Ben Stafford. So we're here with the two Rings End men who unfortunately couldn't make it to the live show, uh, but we've got them both together on Zoom instead. So we've got Ben Stafford and Ed Saul. How are you doing, lads? How are you, Carl? How's it going? Hope you're well. Yeah, Carl, good to talk to you. All good, lads. Yeah. Um, ben, we'll start with you, uh, yourself and Janet. You're heading away for a little holiday. And uh, we're yeah. all delighted to hear the great news actually about Mrs. Stafford recently. Brilliant to hear that she's in uh, better health. And yes, uh, you're celebrating the anniversary. How many years and where are you after? Oh, God. Well, we're going to the, the reliable spot, Lanzarote. Um, and it's 29 years on Saturday. So, yeah. Many congrats. Uh, Ed, you're being kept, being kept busy with Crumlin United these days. Uh, by the time people are listening to this in a couple of weeks, hopefully you'll have uh, clinched the title with my local team. Uh is it a long wait now to seal that league? Well, first of all, uh, Ben has some life, hasn't he? He's more <laughs> holidays than a travel agent at this stage. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, now Carl, things are really busy at this time of year. It's it's you know what I love this time of year, Leinster Senior League football. It's it's the best. Uh, so yeah, unfortunately, the league have left us with three weeks wait to play our last game which i think is absolutely shocking and um, but we're just tipping away keeping the last competitive um, and training's been good so as we know what's on offer what's what's there for uh, for us in the last game so yeah hopefully in a couple of weeks time we will be uh, senior division champions yeah hope you get over the line uh so ben tell us the events that made you become a robbers fan yeah, well, it's it's probably events is probably a good word, Carl, because it sort of it sort of came in stages for me. Um, Rovers were always in the family. Um, my dad was a Rovers fan um, from the fifties, and he would have started bringing my cousin, who uh, lived in our house. Now he's a good few years older than me. Um, wouldn't like me saying that, but he is. Um, my first trip to Milltown was probably was was in the early seventies, but I was only about six years of age and. My then cousin in his early 20s thought he was doing a, a good deed by walking me up from Ringsend to Milltown, um, which is a long walk for a six-year-old. Uh, he also didn't think of the basics, like getting me anything to eat or drink. I remember being on the terraces just to the right of the shed. I think it was against Waterford. And uh, I think we were beaten. I was in the days when there was only two or 300 people going to the game. But I remember getting bored after a while and none looking down the terraces and then uh, falling ripping my two knees, my trousers. He then walked me home. Um, so I arrived home starving, uh, cut knees, ripped trousers. So sort of a collective decision. My mother didn't 
trust him to bring me again. I didn't really want to go and he didn't really want to bring me. So so probably my, my thing with Rovers in those days was just remembering listening to the six o'clock news and RTE and the results on after it. And generally in those days, it was bad news. They'd lost, you know, and my dad would throw his eyes up to heaven and that'd be the end of it. Um, so then in, in, in the early 80s, just prior to the McLaughlin era, actually, um, and I, 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 ne- I never hide this fact. I know it's, 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 it's a hot potato between some League of Ireland fans, but I have got an interest in English football. I can't deny that. My, my dad would have brought me to Liverpool a number of times in the 70s, and they're some of my best childhood memories, to be honest, going over in the B&I boat and going to Anfield. But when Jim Beglin signed from uh, Rovers, I think it was Bob Paisley's last signing before he retired as Liverpool manager, and part of that deal was to play Rovers, I think it was 82, late 82. And I went up to it with my cousin and his friends and my dad. And uh, they said I was going to see Liverpool and they were, they were possibly correct at the beginning. But what they didn't realise was that it, that it planted a seed because I remember walking up the steps into Milltown for the first time. Um, and like even though I'd been to Anfield probably four or five times at that stage, if you think about it, back in those days, considering my age, all kickoffs were three o'clock. So I'd never walked into a ground with floodlights on. Uh, Lansdowne Road at the time was where Ireland were playing. I'd been to a couple of Ireland games, but again, they didn't have the, the, the floodlights in those days. So they were afternoon kickoffs. So I remember walking up into Milltown, up the steps, and just seeing that uh, snooker table of a pitch for the first time. And I just remember the game. It was just, I'd, again, when I'd been in Anfield, I'd never been on the top. I was always in the safety of the stand. So I'd never really experienced that sort of that sort of mad fan and I was in, under the shed that night and the place was heaving like you know and I think I think Liverpool went one nil up um, and it was funny because anyone who's my age or a little bit older will remember this Ronnie Whelan who would have been a bit of a hero of mine because of what he'd done coming from home farm and breaking into Liverpool at 19 but he had just before the Rovers game he pulled out of an Ireland big Ireland game against Spain supposedly because he caught his finger in a taxi um, and that didn't go down well with Ireland fans a lad called Ashley Grimes came into the side and actually scored a cracker of a goal so I remember Whelan getting fierce stick from the Rovers fans as only Rovers fans can do that night and Ashley Grimes name was chanted around Milltown which was a bit of a weird one but anyway Liam Buckley got a late equaliser a header and I just remember my cousin and, and his friends just disappearing in this massive of 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 celebration you know and it just and we went back to the pub that night after the game and that was another bonus for me like I was probably only about 14 15 at the time so I got to a pub late on a, on a, on a after a match and there was a bit of slagging going on oh Ben Liverpool only drew but they didn't realise that is, you know that had planted a seed for me I just you just you know you just get carried away by it and then shortly after that I remember my dad saying to me and I know some people say oh you jumped on the bandwagon I didn't really I just got lucky when McLaughlin took over, my dad said, Ben, I think we'll go back and start watching Rovers. Um, and he didn't, to be honest. He only went to one game. He just couldn't get the passion back. But that then coincided with... It was, it, it was mad, like, how, did, how this happened. I mean, I'd gone back to school to repeat my leaving, and our school didn't have a great sporting reputation. And I was on the soccer team and I was made captain and I was only made captain because I think I was, I'd, I was repeating my leaving and I was probably looked upon as the senior. I, it certainly wasn't for my talent. But the headmaster announced that um, 
he got a soccer coach in, which he'd never done. We'd never seen that in the school at all. And lo and behold, it turned out to be Pat Bourne. And I couldn't believe this because I obviously knew Pat Bourne, again, with the Liverpool connection. He'd scored for Leicester in Anfield when Leicester beat Liverpool for their first defeat in Anfield in about 60 games. So I knew of him and I knew he, he was with Hearts and I knew he was coming to Rovers and I knew he was coming as captain. And all of a sudden, like, he was coaching us, you know, and I just couldn't believe it. And it would only last for about four or six weeks. Um, but that sort of, you know, that's just, I mean, instant hero for me, Pat Bourne, you know. Um, and that was it. Like, you know, I, I was just, I, I was going to the games and the final one, and I'm going to stop after this because I do have a tendency to go on for too long. But <laughs> for the first few games, like, I, I'd be just like, I'd be going to the home games. And I did go to a couple of away games with my cousin and his friends. they drive down to Athlone or whatever. But I remember then the first away trip that I ever went on on the bus. Um, and it coincided, and I still say, if somebody asked me the question, what's the best Rovers performance uh, I've ever seen? My first away trip was it was in January of 84, and it was away to Drogheda. Now, we all know Drogheda is not that very far away. But in those days, it was a bit longer. You know, it did take a little bit. And, but I just remember getting on the bus, and I was, I was I think I was 16, and I was sort of, I was quite reserved, 16-year-old, you know. And my cousin who at that stage was in his late 20s. And I got the impression he was, he was well-known and, 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 and well-liked and respected by a lot of the Rovers uh, fans. And uh, I just remember being on the bus and people with their sandwiches and their... their and I remember, I, it was the first time I met Sean McNulty. Well, Sean probably doesn't remember this, but Sean came over to, to my cousin and his famous green and white knitted jumper that's seen in that famous Milltown photograph and he's holding up the thing. And he was speaking to my cousin and he just turned around to me and he says... You want to sup a cider? You know, and he had to be a swag and a cider. I was the first time I'd ever had cider in my life. And I was drinking this bottle of cider on the bus and I was saying, this is great. Like, you know, and I think we, we stopped in Julianstown for a few points beforehand and then we got to the game. And I think this has been spoken about before. But Drahad had won the League Cup the previous Wednesday and Tony Macken was the manager. And uh, they prayed at the Cup before the game, the League Cup before the game. And Rovers actually gave them a, a guard of honour onto the pitch. And they then proceeded to beat uh, Drogheda 7-0. And they were just unbelievable that day. Absolutely unbelievable. And I remember about five minutes ago, Tony Macken heading for the dressing room, my cousin leaning over the wall. And uh, I don't know whether you're allowed to use bad language here, but I just remember him saying, Tony, you can fuck that lake up in the bin now. You know? <laughs> um, and then we came out, and, 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 and the last part was we stopped in Julian Sound on the way back. Um, and piled into this pub and it was one of these country pubs a small bar and a big lounge at the back and the place was heaving with Rovers fans and on a Sunday tea time I mean it was empty except for Rovers fans but it was like a party <laughs> and then the owner or the bar manager made that fatal error because he wasn't expecting a big crowd in and he actually asked was there anybody who was used to working behind the bar <laughs> a couple of lads got behind the bar and um, Jesus there was all sorts of stuff going on there was four points being ordered and the tenors have been handed in and change of 20 was been given back and double vodkas and whatever were being ordered and I just for a 16 year old it was just you know it was just amazing and I remember arriving home getting off in O'Connell Bridge and getting the bus home and I was meant to be studying for me leaving and uh, I just went home that night and school didn't matter like it was just rovers you know and from then on well it wasn't that long really due to things that happened but for the next four years it was just Unbelievable, you know. I won't say any more. <laughs> We're definitely breaking the 40-minute limit today. <laughs> uh, 
Ed, um, I believe Ben brought you to your first ever game. Um, tell us about growing up in Rings End, where you're from, how you ended up meeting Ben and going to going to Roberts. Yeah, well, Ben Ben is Ben is my cousin. Um, um, you know, so and my mom is 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 Ben's auntie, and my mom and Ben's dad were brother and sister. So that's how the connection started there from the family roots and uh most parents uh like their dad would get them into football more or less my dad wasn't really he used to be working all the time and very unsocial very unsociable hours so it was actually my mother that would have got me more into supporting rovers than my dad and like as what ben says my mom used to go to the games as well and they were the ones that brought me to the daughter into Milltown. Vague, vague memories of it, if I'm being brutally honest, I was very young. Um, and that's how I got into in, into the Rovers. And it's mad when you think about it because what they've passed down onto me, <clears throat> Ben is passing down onto his boys. Um, I'm passing down onto my family. Like, I don't know whether you see me going to Tala these days kids hanging out in my arse and they're not even mine so you know some of them are two of them are mine obviously but they bring their friends and i bring a group of kids and it's absolutely unbelievable and to see how much they love it but don't have many um memories of milltown carol but i also remember my mother um i think i told you the story before she she worked for john mcnamara um and his 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 company so she she had a lot of uh, perks, should I say, from John McNamara, and I was able to go and watch Rovers train all the time. So I used to go and watch Rovers training as a kid and kick a ball on the side of the pitch, and uh, watch the first team training, and everybody got to know me and stuff like that. And then I was ball boy for any time I wanted in the RDS. Um, but yeah, they, they, I would have more early memories of the RDS than I would of Milltown. And the RDS were great days um, growing up following Rovers. Like, you know, um, I always remember, you know, back to the Horseshow House after winning the league and stuff like that in 94, Peter Eccles. Um, that, that, that was an unbelievable season. And that was my first taste of success at Shamrock Rovers. Um, so they were the early memories, Carl, yeah. So was the RDS especially um, special for you because we were in D4 and uh, even when we played Shells, for example, the Rings and Derby was black. So did, they, did those games have a bit of significance? Yeah, absolutely. Like Because, you know, a lot of Rovers fans uh, growing up, especially from the Rings End area, you know, Milltown was their ground. And then, you know, you moved to the RDS, which is even closer to Rings End. So... You know, used to walk straight up the daughter to Milltown, uh, through uh, Ballsbridge up to Milltown. Now you were just walking the Ballsbridge into the RDS, so it was a short walk, um, and those those were great days. And you're still watching Rovers on the south side of the city, uh, close to where they've been they've, they've been founded. And um, yeah, I, I have to be honest. After the RDS mm. days, a lot of people. You know, got disillusioned with what went on, and and rightly so. And it was like the soul was, you know, the soul and the heart was ripped out of the club. Um, and then I, I'm going to be 
I'm going to see things a little bit differently here than the older lads would see because I was then a teenager and like Ben is talking about his trip on the bus getting a drop of cider off Sean and stuff like that I was probably drinking a nagging of vodka at that stage going to watch Rovers as a late teenager and uh, going to watch Rovers then for me I didn't care where it was on uh, it was just the buzz of going to watch live football and following Rovers and like a lot of the a lot of the people around Rings End, you know, they, they, their soul was was destroyed, and they they stopped going um, to Rovers. But you know, I kept going, and my mum wasn't going anymore, really. And it was up to me then to kind of make my own way and and go with my own friends. So after the RDS days, I was that a little bit older, um, where I didn't need to go with my mum and stuff anymore, and Ben and uh, Doc and Co with them. So. Um, I got to the stage where I was trusted to go to go to games with my own mates and yeah that's it really uh, Ben Kieran told me a fun fact about the last programme produced at Milltown uh, your address and phone number is actually listed in there isn't it yeah well it's actually actually my name and phone number it doesn't have my address yeah no it was, right. it was the it was the the cup semi-final against Sligo and uh, they didn't actually produce an official uh, program that the supporters club and Robert Goggins and that didn't do it as because in protest at the FAI because I think the FAI wanted to take all the proceeds or something like that. So they actually didn't do a program, but they did a, a bit sort of a four page A4 um, or A3, maybe even bigger um, souvenir brochure for the game. And I think it was actually given out there as a copy of it was given out in Tala there at one of the cele- uh, centenary celebrator one of the anniversaries um but yeah i was involved i was involved with the the original supporters club team hoops fc we played in the amateur league and i was actually i think i yeah well i was i was secretary of the team albeit i was only in my early 20s so yeah it was a sort of in the club information part of that program or brochure there was you know if anyone's interested in wanting to play for the supporters club give ben a shout on the phone number so yeah so it actually doesn't even say Ben Stafford it says Ben so you'll have to believe me that it was me <laughs> and Ed you're the public face of the Pride of Rings End uh, I'm told you set up with Jay McLean a long time ago uh, tell us about how it started and uh, what's involved nowadays well how it started was Carl you, you get um, when we were we were we were going to watch Rovers on all these different grounds and stuff like that and and um, we knew Tala was was on the horizon, and um, we it was me, myself, Justin, Jason was was around the area a lot at the time, and uh, we were kind of pushing to get a supporters club going from the area because the main goal was to get transport to Tala to get a bus to Tala all the time, and um, because getting from Ringsend to Tala when we first went in wasn't particularly easy, so. That was the main focus, and we started the ball rolling when Rovers actually got relegated um, and into the fourth division. That's when we really got serious about starting a supporters club. And um, we sat down, we put out the feelers, myself, Justin and Jay put out the feelers, and we asked people to go to um, a meeting in Gleason's, as it was then, a little small pub in Irishtown, um, right behind the vintage and it, the reason we went there, your man was a good football man. He was a Shells fan, but he was a good, 
he's a good football person and uh, he welcomed us in. And I'd say on the night, maybe 20 odd people turned up and um, we decided, obviously I said, look, I'll, if voted in or whatever, I'd, I'll, you know, push to get things going with Justin and Jason. And that's what happened. We did, we did on the night and we had a vote on the night to, to actually say, what do we want to call this supporters club? So the vote was fairly tight as far as I remember. Um, a lot of people wanted to call it Jim Jim McLaughlin Rings End SC. Um, there was other Rings End Hoops, something like that. But um, most people uh, then had voted for the Pride of Rings End SC. And that's how we started started a committee. And we went in that to Discover Ireland League uh, as a four supporters club. Kildare County, Monaghan, Cove, you name it. It was brilliant. And the sports club, then you get a flag. And then you start getting sponsorship and so on and so on and so on. And then um, obviously you're you're gearing towards that big move to Tala. We had some fantastic five-a-side competitions in Rings End. And um, we actually in, were in the process this year of hosting it with the Tales from the East Stand, obviously, um, and hope to get it going again. It's uh, between the two supporters club. I think it can be very successful. We're talking to a couple of venues now at the minute to see where we can tie one down. It's not easy. You think just organising a venue when five-a-side is easy. Oh, it's insurance, it's everything. It's, it's, it, there's a lot of politics that comes with it, but we, we should get things sorted um, in the next couple of weeks and tie down a day. But that's just a brief history, uh, Carl, of how the Pride of Rings End started. And... Look at us now, it's absolutely motion. Um, we have our biggest ever membership. Um, we have a lot of uh, female members, a lot of kids, a lot of juniors, a few OIPs, a mixture of everything. And you know what? There's a really good bunch of members there. I couldn't say um, a bad thing about them. And um, they all have the same passion of, of going to watch Rovers. But... It's brilliant. I miss living in the area. I absolutely, for that alone, I miss the buzz of going up, meeting Ben and the boys for a point, going on the bus, talk Rovers, talk Shoy, watch a brilliant match, go back on the bus, go back for a point. But they just have to walk home as where I live over the other side of the city now. It's very difficult to do that. But that is the one thing I really miss is the, is the match night buzz of going, going with the boys. But the flying, like Sean Condren is absolutely flying uh, organising buses. Brilliant stuff. And he had to do three buses in a week this week. And it's not easy admin. And the names are just flying in. And uh, Kieran and stuff does a brilliant job on the social media, as you can tell. And uh, we've got great lads behind the scenes with Milner and, all, Milner and stuff. And um, myself, Ben, Donald and Justin are kind of... We're letting the young boys you know push ahead with their ideas now because we've all done that and uh, we're just there but the, the 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 boys who i spoke about are really driving things forward and they they deserve a lot of credit like you know you know sean condren that's Stafford's cousin for regular listeners <laughs> in case they get confused uh ben were you made aware early on by your family or did you learn yourself about robert's historical connections with rings end uh, uh it, be, no. it being our birthplace or and when did you become interested in that? Yeah, no, that that that's a given, you know. Um, without exaggerating, you just know, you know, as I said, even as a kid, you just knew that. 
well, you knew, and you knew, in fairness, you knew Shelbourne as well. I mean, there's a, there's a huge, there's a huge tradition of football in Rings End. You can't get away from that. And I know people laugh sometimes, say, oh, they, they fancy themselves down Rings End, but you just can't get away from it. You know, there were so many players, like even though when, when, you know, over the years, even when I started, you know, started going in the early 80s, I mean, you know, on, on Rovers, there was there was Jody Bourne, there was Liam O'Brien, there was Jack and McDonough. They were all from Rings End. Um, you know, but you looked at she- at the time Shelbourne had Pat Nolan and Paddy Joyce playing for them. Bowles had Gino Lawless and Rocky O'Brien. You know, there was always, there was always, football was just, you know, it was always the number one, you know. So, yeah, I, 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 was, I was well aware. I was well aware. And it was actually your video of the march that went viral. The recording out the window, looking down on the street, uh, which yeah. you didn't record yourself, but it was your tweet. Uh, yeah. The march in rings end to the, to the Cub win. So uh, talk about that day. Yeah. Like, I, I, do you know what was great about that? Um, and I, I'm a firm believer in this because, you know, we, we, we have to battle so, so hard, League of Ireland fans. And I don't get bitter about it. Some people get very bitter about it. I don't, but I, I do acknowledge that we have to battle hard. And, and, and that was such a great day. You know, it was such a great day. And I'm not saying the Pride of Rings End were responsible for it, but, we, you know, we sort of, we did that. We did our little bit by sort of doing a bit of organisation or getting people down there. But the, the amount of people that were down there were, was, was brilliant, you know. But then, you know, we, and we obviously won and we all celebrated. But, yeah, a few days later, another member of the Pride of Rings End actually came up to me in the vintage and he said, did you see this video? And it was... A lad who was who was who was, who, was, who was living in the flats just to the side of the church. I think he's actually a lad. His his his, his son is our overson, and I started said, "Geez, that's unbelievable!" And I said, "Will you ask him? Can I can I post that?" Um, and he said, "Yeah, no problem." And and like I'm not a okay, I, I'm on social media, but I'm by no means a you know a social media uh, fanatic in terms of I, you know I think that video was probably by far the most interest any of my tweets ever got but i just think it caught people's imagination because you know i saw actually some comments under us i mean obviously put it up on a couple of platforms and people were like i know this gets gets a noise league of Ireland fans but people were saying is this somewhere in england or is this somewhere in europe you know because because they don't think that league of Ireland can be like that do you know what i mean and yeah you just saw these literally hundreds of people celebrating and jumping up and the flares and and there was the Aaron McAniff song and then everyone piling in behind the horse. And yeah, I mean, I, I can say it because it wasn't my video. I thought it was an absolutely brilliant video. And I just think it, it just summed up. It was a great finish. As I said, I'll be a couple of days later to, to, to that day. You know, it really was. Yeah, I was delighted with that. And I was delighted. A, a little bit of a fluke that, that, that it got to me, you know, but I was, I was delighted to put it out there and I was delighted to see how everyone, you know, the reaction, everyone really thought it was great, you know. And Ed, we had you in studio before talking about that day, about the the march and the iconic white horse that ended the 32-year way for the Cup. Uh, I imagine every now and then you just think about that, that day and smile, don't you? Oh, a million percent. I do. My son does be looking at the YouTube videos because he would have been, what was he then, five. So um, he still looks at the YouTube videos of it all and the videos that Ben's talking about. It just couldn't have went better from from start to finish. There was a lot of stress in the build up from us, like with as a supporters club, and not only the committee members, like the, the the ordinary member of our supporters club, all bought into that that week, going around to the 
to the local establishments, the local businesses, getting them on board. And obviously, you know, the local establishments were going to make a right few quid out of it. But, you know, they all, they all played their part, in fairness to them. Um, they all sponsored us. Um, and uh, it's just the memories of the day. I, I couldn't relax, Carl. I just... I couldn't even drink that morning. I was just sipping over a point here or there because I was just like looking around. Oh my God, this is just unfucking believable. And then the white horse comes over the bridge. Um, I had reserved an area with the priest that we could put the horse in, in the priest grounds um, because it was the only safest place for it. And it turned out to be a great, um, a great idea because people could walk in and get their picture and the horse wasn't getting surrounded and stuff like that. But the crowds of people that were in rings out that morning alone, knocking on pub doors to get a point first of all. Um, and then everybody's on the phones. Where are you? Where are you? Where can we get a point? Where can we get a point? And then it just got busier and busier and busier. And uh, from the moment the copper, the policeman said to me, the guard, whatever you want to call him, we're going at 10 to three or can't remember. It might've been three o'clock even. Or he kept pointing at his watch like this to me. Come on, come on. And I said, yeah, 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 we know, we know. We're going, we're going soon, we're going soon. And he goes, it's getting too busy here. He said, we got to go. We got to go. He said, we got to go now. It's getting too busy. And then with that, you know, I just delayed a few more minutes until it was the actual time. And once the horse left the grounds, and uh, there is actually another amazing video, isn't there, of somebody at the bottom of Rings End Bridge at the beginning um of the parade of of the, of the of the march with the parade with the horse and he see you see me and my son and i think my mom is behind me and a few others and you just see us walking with the horse and there's a good 50 to 80 people then and then there's that gap because people are just realizing oh shit we better go so there's that gap and your man's still holding the camera and then you see the thousands of people walking over Rings End Bridge, singing flares, everything. And he just stands there holding it. That is unbelievable memories because the, the march, the, the amount of people was unbelievable going all the way back. No other club in this country could do that. No other team could even come close to doing what we did. As at Shamrock Rovers, don't mean by the Pride Rings End, I mean as Shamrock Rovers. You know, Pats can win the cup or whatever, they might have. 300 people on the streets in your car. Good luck. You know, we can bring thousands no matter where we go. And that's why we're the biggest and best supporters club. And everyone played a part that day. Every Rovers fan played that part. And you can probably hear I'm passionate about it. But I am passionate about it. And I'm proud of our supporters club and that we played a part that day. And because it's, it's probably my best memory following Rovers. And the whole experience of the day. And we are probably robbed of another day out. Uh, we were robbed of the other cup final against some dark during COVID. And you you cannot but think that them days are only around the corner for us again. And then the pressure starts on us again, doesn't it? <laughs> and Ben, when that full-time whistle went and we ended the 32-year wait, can you remember what you felt, what emotion you felt? I can, you know, and I'm, 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 I'm going to give something away about myself here, but I'm not really, because most people who know me well will know what I'm like. Um, when Rover scored the the, 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 the first panel in, in normal time with two minutes to go, I actually disappeared. I, <laughs> I went out, out of my seat and down into the, 
the depths of the stand because I, I'm I'm a very nervous viewer. Um and I just couldn't watch it. And then of course the Dundalk equalized. So I walked back up. I didn't go back to the sea where I where 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 Janet was and, and a good few friends. Um I stood right at the back of the stand where it actually had the be an area there where, where wheelchairs can, can be put at a thing. And I watched the half an hour and the penalties from there. Um and yeah, I when when Gary O'Neill scored, I remember running down and into where everyone else was was sitting. And to be honest, and I know this sounds as if I'm doing it for the I'm doing it for the for the camera, but there was a, a good friend of mine, uh, John Barry, um, who I played and I've played football with the hoops. I see he's been Rovers, and he's the one who got me back to Rovers when I went missing for a few years. And his dad was a found was was a founder member of the Pride Rings End, and. Uh, he passed away only a week before the cup final, and his his funeral was on the Wednesday before the cup final. And I actually missed the funeral because I was out of the country. Um, and I just, you know, I just went to John when uh, in those few seconds after the after we'd won it, yeah, gave him a big hug. So yeah, it was unbelievable. It was it was just it was like I well I I can't describe it any better than Ed did, but it was just. Remember going back to the pub afterwards. It's you know it's great. Even when when Kieran walked in, you know you have that bond, and he, you know he comes over, and then as 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 Ed said, all the pubs played a part. They all bought in. They all uh, had the Spotify set that 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 Moon had put together. And then I remember getting a cheeky call from Kieran. He'd headed up to the to the hotel, and he said, "Actually, Ed was with me now." As I come to think of it. Uh, I said to Kieran, what's it like? I thought it might have been a private do up in the hotel, but Kieran says, no, come on up. So I went up with Ed and uh, we went in and we met some of the five. The first, actually, the first two people I saw were Pat Bourne and Jody Bourne because they'd all been there. They'd all met up and they were sitting in the bar in the Burlington, or it's not the Burlington anymore. And I spoke to them and then I spoke to John Cody and then I spoke to Cavo. Obviously, you know, Sean Kavanagh because he's from Rings End and got the photograph of the cup, etc. And then, yeah, went in and Met a few of the players in the in the uh, in where they were having their their function. So yeah, yeah, great memories, great memories. Uh, well, it's a it's a day that won't be um, beaten for a long time. And you know something? And again, it's the whole Ringsend thing. I remember walking into the ground before the game and just seeing that "Legends Are Born in Ringsend" banner. Yeah. And uh, what a banner! You know, I just just another thing that made the day. You know, brilliant. Brilliant. Well, Carl, on that as well, we um, it might have been a couple of weeks after the cup final. Uh, we actually had a members' day out uh, with the cup in Rings End, and Sean Kavanagh came out with us on the piss, and we mm-hmm. done a pub crawl of uh, all the pubs that had you know supported us in the uh, through the cup final, and uh, that was a brilliant day with all our members and and Cavo and the cup. And the the locals really really bought into it um, that day. Oh, jeez, Ben, we some drink that day. I tell you, my God. Um, but that was that was brilliant, you know. With the stress of and the pressure was off after us thirty odd years waiting to win the cup, and uh, we could really celebrate it then uh, that day um, a few weeks afterwards. So uh, our last question has got to do with our special guests in the Irish Town House on uh, Jody Byrne. So start with Ed and then we'll finish off with Ben. So uh, Ed, your memories of Jody Byrne and 
Ben sort of listed off players who have come from Ringsend over the years there. Uh, more recent times, you have Cavo, Sean Gannon, David Cassidy. Do you take pride in these sort of players representing the jersey and Jody Byrne in particular? What are your memories of him as, as one of our, our great goalkeepers? Yeah, absolutely take pride in the in the in the current lads um playing for overs. And you know, not only that, off the pitch they're they're, they're two brilliant lads, Cavo and, and Gano. Um really, really good lads, come from good families. And um yeah, it does give me a bit of pride. It gives me a lot of pride uh, seeing them playing for us at the minute and, and being successful. As you mentioned, a few orders over the years. David Casty, yeah, another good player, um, good lad. Um, my early memories of Jody would be through family because um, between my family, Ben's family, my Uncle Doc, they were all really, really close with Jody. So there was that circle of people um, connected with Jody from not only through the football, but from off the pitch as well. So they would have socialised a lot together. So I would have been in that kind of circle as a young as a young kid. Um, but obviously growing up, um, I was very young when Jody was playing for the hoops, especially in the 80s. I would have been only, she's showing me age here, am I? But now I would have been I would have been only only really really young, um, growing up, um, when Jody was playing for Rovers, the four in a row team, etc. etc. Um, but what a servant to the club, what an unbelievable goalkeeper, um, brilliant fella away from football as well, and um, you know he goes down in history, you know arguably it's one of the best goalkeepers Shamrock Rovers has, has ever had and ever will have. Um, and his honours and his success speaks for itself. Um, I suppose the one question I would have for Jody um, would be, in, 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 in his career at Rovers, what stands out as his best save or best saves, most important save in a game um, of significant, uh, significance, I should say, um, so I'd like to ask him that question and, and see where his answer is on that. Yeah, looking forward to hearing his answer on that one. Uh, ben, I know you've kind of wanted to address the whole Alan O'Neill, Jody debate. So same question to you about rings and players representing us, but particularly Jody, do you feel he hasn't got the respect he deserves for what he achieved at Rovers? Well, I'll answer your, your first question first. I agree totally about it. And it's just a thing, and I know I saw a bit of slagging on at times about, you know, when somebody from Ringsend might put up a, a compliment for, for Sean Gannon or Sean Cavan and the, the Rovers lads, all barrel him and all Ringsend looking after their own. And I get all that, you know, and, you know, there's, there's obviously a bias there. I don't think that's unique for Ringsend. I think if you have any locals, you know, in your area, you want them to do well. It's an added bonus that they play for Shamrock Rovers that, were formed in Ring's End. So that's, that's, that's brilliant. But I mean, I, I'll be totally honest. I mentioned a few, you know, other Ring's End players in, in the previous question. I mean, I, I remember, for example, and again, some people won't like this, but, but they will remember, I remember when, when Bohemians famously beat Rangers in Daly Mount in a UEFA Cup game when there was murder at the game and after. Um, but they beat them 3-2 and Rocky O'Brien scored the two goals and Gino Lawless got the winner. 
And I remember being absolutely delighted for those two fellas. You know, they were a bit older than me. I, I know both of them to talk to, but at the time, I didn't really know them. But just the fact that they came from Ring's End, it was the same when, 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 when Sean was playing for Dundalk. I obviously didn't want Dundalk to be winning. I was raging when they were, but for him personally, and young Dan O'Kelly as well, Dan, Dan knows Kieran, you know, I would have privately congratulated Dano when 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 he when he won medals with Dundalk. I love seeing local lads doing well, you know. Um, but it's obviously even more special when when, when they come from Ring's End. Yeah, the, the thing about Jody, um yeah, it's something that's it's something that's irritated me for many years, actually, because because a, a couple of things have been said there, but there's probably when when you, when when the name Jody Bourne is mentioned. Sorry, to start off, like we 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 rightly celebrate the foreigner old team. Everyone talks about them. Those who live through it, and even the younger people, the younger people who never even remember it, but they know about it and they sing about it. And and rightly so. And I was lucky enough, as I said, I didn't join jump on the bandwagon, but I timed it perfectly. I started following Rovers week in, week out at the beginning of the 83-84 season. And I was lucky enough to spend the whole four years watching that team. And I've already said earlier that Pat Warren was my absolute and utter hero, idol, best player I've seen playing for overs. Um, but I see Pat Bourne, other legends like John Cody, Harry Kenny, Mick Bourne. And then somebody says Jody, Jody Bourne. And too often for my liking, the responses, there's one of two responses. One is he wasn't as good as Alan O'Neill. And the second one is, well, we didn't really need a good goalkeeper anyway because we were so good. Now, the second one is probably said tongue-in-cheek a little bit, but it, it is said. So on those two points, first of all, the Alan O'Neill, nobody, like, Alan O'Neill was a brilliant goalkeeper. It was a huge shock when he was when, when the John, Jim McLaughlin let him go. Um, and there was nobody happier than me that Alan O'Neill, for want of a better word, got redemption in 93, 94. I was absolutely delighted for him. But Jim McLaughlin made that decision. You know, I don't know whether he wanted to clear the dressing room out. I don't know the logic behind it. But I look at it from another way. He made that decision. And then he made a decision. Like the best manager in the League of Ireland, a serial winner, decided to bring a 19-year-old reserve goalkeeper to Shamrock Rovers. And for the next four years, Shamrock Rovers played 100 games to win the four in a row. Uh, and Jody Bourne played 98 of them. Pat Bourne was the only one who played the same amount of them. He played 98 as well. Jody missed two games. He missed a game in the second season. I think Sean Ward was the reserve goalkeeper. And he missed the very last league game of the four in a row because it was played either the day... I know this sounds mad, but it was somebody like Robert Goggins or somebody can, can correct me or verify this. We had a boom game against Home Farm. The league had already been won. And we had to go to Sligo for the replay of the Cup after the last game in Milltown, the two-legged semi-final finish level. And they had to play this game against Home Farm. And they played either on the Monday or the Tuesday and Rovers played on the Wednesday again. I know that sounds daft, but that's what happened. And Robbie Horgan made his debut. Rovers put out their B team that day. Robbie Horgan made his debut in goal. Uh, a very young John Toll played. Paddy Dunning, actually, the famous one dog player who was Dermot Keeley's assistant, he played left full that day. There was nobody, I think Neville Steedman and Owen Monaghan, who might have been the subs down the slide, but they were the only two who played. But that was the only other game that Jody missed. 98 games out of 100. 
He played in four cup, four consecutive cup campaigns. He played every single cup game that was available. He obviously has the four league winners medals. He has the three cup winners medals. We lost the first final. He saved a penalty in the first final to keep us in the game at one nil down. We equalised, then we conceded a late goal. Um, that they, they're incredible stats. No matter, no matter, no matter what. No matter whether he was better than or as good as Alan, if you ask Jody, and you can ask him this tomorrow, Jody will say, "Well, will be honestly this that he knew he wasn't as good as Alan O'Neill at the point he signed for overs." Nobody's denying that. Like Alan O'Neill was getting into international squads, and you couldn't be a nicer man than Alan O'Neill, by the way. Um, but I just think they're incredible stats, incredible success. Now to tackle the second one, you know, we didn't really need a good goalkeeper. Again, if you ask Jody probably in that fourth season and maybe the second season he'd probably half agree with you you know what I mean um, but I would judge him but what I always say to people who say that I say well what were the toughest games that we played in those years and you had Robbie Murphy on recently Robbie was one of a very few amount of people who went to Honvitz for the away leg in the European Cup you ask anyone who was at that game what Jody Burns' display was like that day. Because I remember Robbie Murphy coming back and saying he'd never seen a better display by a goalkeeper. There's a lot more Celtic fans, there's a lot more Rovers fans would have gone to the away match in Celtic when a very understrength, we should have beaten them in Milltown. Everyone admits that or knows that. But by the time we got to the second leg, Pat Bourne was injured, a couple more were injured. Liam O'Brien had actually either gone to United or wasn't allowed to play because he was just about to go to United. Ask people about Jody Burns' display in that final, or that, in that game. He also kept a clean sheet against Linfield up in Windsor Park in the European Cup. And then the fourth season, you know, when in my opinion, and not everyone will agree with me, I'm one of those people who doesn't automatically believe that we would have gone on to win six or seven in a row if Milltown hadn't gone. And the only reason I believe that, or, or, or suspect that, Carl, is that the team, the, the team that won the fourth year was still a great team, actually won the league easier than some of the previous seasons, but they weren't as good a team. They'd lost the likes of, of, of Liam O'Brien and John Cody, who went to United and Chelsea. And they got really good players in instead of them, uh, Keith Dignam and Brendan Murphy. But they weren't as good as the players they replaced. And you could see that happen with Dundalk in modern day times. Sooner or later, you just have to run and out of good players. You just can't get the, the exact same players. And that coincided, coincided with Jody. Jody won player of the year that year. Right? Now, how many times, and you're a bit of a style, uh, Carol. How many times does a team that wins the league, that wins the league, how many times is that goalkeeper the player of the year? You know, I remember the game against Dundalk. They used to have highlights on, on RT at 10 o'clock on a Sunday night. Not every Sunday, of course, you know, with the coverage of League of World Football is right. We played, we played Dundalk with Milltown and we beat them 5-0. And it was the most ridiculous 5-0 that you'll ever see in your life because Dundalk destroyed us for the first half. And Jody kept on pulling save after save off. And then we'd break and we'd score. And that, that's what it was like. And ironically, Alan O'Neill was in the other goal. And I remember, it was the only time I remember Rovers fans slagging Alan O'Neill because he, he had five things to do and he, he, he left five goals past him where Jody was pulling off save after save. As I said, he won player of the year. He went on to win player of the year again two or three years later. Um, and finally, and I'm not saying he did this out of love of the club, but again, we, 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 we honour our, our, our heroes and we say, you know, you know, when we left Milltown and 
some of the players said the right things and they said nice things. But the year after Milltown, they all left. Now, I don't be grudging them that. They have to have their careers. There was only two players who stayed any length of time. And that was Jody Bourne and Harry Kenny. Now, I'm not saying they stayed because they loved Rovers. I'm just saying they stayed. I think Jody stayed till 1990, 1991. So when you take all that into consideration, now, some of that is only opinion. I accept that. But some of it is, 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 is fact. When you think of all that, all those statistics, I think that when you say the name Jody Bourne and, the, and, and, and a person's reaction is, I wasn't as good as Alan O'Neill or we didn't really need a good goalkeeper. I don't want to get real dramatic and say that that's, that's an insult to him, but it's, it's not right. You know, the words should be respect and legend, to be totally honest. For, for the stats alone, even if he was a brutal goalkeeper, the fact that he played 98 of 100 games, he's just, he's unbelievable. And you know something, you couldn't be a nice fan. And he won't agree with half of what I said there because he's a very honest young fella. You'll meet him tomorrow. He'll probably get a bit embarrassed and get a bit shy. He's never put himself forward. We, you know, Ed will tell you, we've tried to get him as spider rings and we've tried to get him up to, as our guest at the matches, get, get him a bit of recognition. But he, he, he stays back from it, you know? And again, that's not a criticism of the players who do it because I think it's right that the players should do it. I think it's right that Pat Bourne and, 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 and Mick Bourne and John Cody are seen around the ground and seen in the... Because that's, that's what football clubs are all about, your legends and your, and your, your history. But, and, and Jody just stands back from that. He, you know, he, he doesn't look for that. But I just think... I just don't think he's ever got the credit that he deserves. Um, and if that's me being biased towards a rings end boy, so be it. <laughs> Or brilliantly put, uh, Ben. I think we'll leave it there. Uh, looking forward to hearing Jody's reaction to, uh, to everything you just said there. Uh, enjoy the chat, everything about Rings End, lads. Uh, thanks a million. No, no worries, Carl. Thank you, buddy. Take it easy. So, uh, re- re- react to that interview now. Um, first of all, the stats Garrett mentions. Uh, the one he mentions to you is you only missed two games out of the 100 that we played yeah. in the league. Is he always bringing this, the stat up to you? No, well, I knew we only missed two games. I never missed a game injured. Um, for what was the reason you missed those two? Um, the first one, um, we had already won the league. Right. And we had a cup final coming up. And we had a game down in Galway. Right. And he, he basically sent the reserves and the fringe players down. Uh, Sean Ward was the reserve goalkeeper. Right. Um, he went down, he played that game. I think it was the last league game of the season, with right. the cup final coming up. And then the second one was Robbie Horgan made his debut. We had a back match, um, I think we had a match cancelled during the season, probably a pitch unplayable against Home Farm. Right. And we'd won the league again, and it was a nothing match for Home Farm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they had to fit it in between, you know, midweek between the cup final, it was on a Sunday in Dalymount Park. So they just. Sent the Give my game. Home farm just had, it was just to, to, to get the picture out of the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were the only two games. So I never missed a game injured or anything like that. Um, that, that. That's the two games I missed, yeah. And I suppose your reaction to his championing of you. Who, <laughs> <Bill> Ben? <laughs> yeah. Um, talking about the, the respect that you did or did not deserve, you know, I suppose, for your time. To be honest with you, I mean, I appreciate, I appreciate everything Ben said. Uh, on that interview because I listened to it um, but 
you know, I, I wasn't really bothered about where, what the supporters thought about me. I was just happy to be playing yeah. and with <coughs> a successful team and winning. And whether he got the, you know, whether he got the respect or not, it, it didn't really. You know, I got respect from the players in the dressing room. I got respect from the manager. I got respect from other managers. You know, after that, that played with me, who wanted to sign me. So, I mean. But even now, can you understand from being around people here now and seeing how infatuated they are with the club, you can understand Ben's praise of you. Because yeah. if you look around now and what's going on here and people are really, really invested in Rovers, you can understand now. Yeah, but I think players probably, you know, like there was no social media and all that. We didn't get a lot of television. I mean, the cup final every year was live on the television. Other than that, there was 20 minutes highlights of a Sunday night. Yeah. It wasn't even every Sunday night. So... I mean, you know, there wasn't the high profile the players have now, <coughs> Facebook and this, and matches on the television live, and, you know, so, yeah. he didn't really know, I mean, I, I think for most of the Rovers supporters, I got genuine respect, I think, yeah. I think I earned the respect in the end, it's, you know, and, I mean, the fact that you were a player, player of the year, the supporters player of the year, that says everything about you. But that's the yeah, they're, they're great honours yeah, to win. Yeah. Have you still got you the trophies? <laughs> yeah, I have one of them. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not really... I mean, <laughs> yeah, I still have them. Yeah, I still have them. Yeah. So we talked about the draw again, the 7-0 that he mentioned. We believe Jim yeah. McLaughlin gave a good speech beforehand the forage up. Yeah, well, like that, um, the um, draw had just won the League Cup and draw had a good side. They, they had a decent side at the time and they paraded the trophy around and... McLaughlin, I don't know, he, you know, he, him being a Dundalk, well, I know he's from Derry, but he was living in Dundalk. I don't think he was happy with them parading the trophy around. Yeah. We gave them a guard of honour anyway. But as Ben said, it was a fantastic performance. But the thing that stuck out in my head in that game, like, you know, even after three or four, we, it was obviously we were going to win the game. But that team just kept going and going. And like seven, even we got seven wasn't enough like yeah. we wanted more kept going and I remember I actually remember coming in and looking in the dressing room and normally a team would come in they're after winning 7-0 you know the, 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 the entire race where there was steam coming out of the place yeah. there was actually steam they, they put that much into that winning that 7 yeah. um, and that was the, the what McLaughlin drilled into you you know keep going and plus there was competition for places yeah there was huge competition for places so you, you could never take your foot off the gas like you know so how many and were you talking a squad of 15 maybe probably 15 but even relaxed. compared that today today's today's yeah. game yeah you, you know, got a squad yeah. of 22 yeah. maybe and yeah. it's extremely tight yeah. in there there's yeah. no room for mistakes and, and your best 11 played every week there was yeah. no rotating players or anything like that you know and uh, staff um, Dan Kiel mentioned earlier uh, Mark Turner, he's a big fan of his introduction to the podcast. I believe after we beat Bowes, there was uh, quite the gathering here. In there the, was an amalgamation of all sorts of people in the I house. Um, can you tell me the meeting of Ben Stafford and Mark Turner? This must have been epic. Yeah, um, I mean, everyone knows Turner. Any regular listeners will know of Turner's escapades. 
Corner is one of the funniest men I've ever met in my entire life for various different reasons. Torner can be very sharp at the best of times. All unintentionally funny as no, well, isn't it though? There's times when he says things and he is intentionally funny, <laughs> but for the vast majority of the time, he says things and he doesn't even realise the, the comedic factor of it. I Torner was hovering around as we were all buzzing after the the drubbing of balls in the early months, and Torner was hovering around and says, Right, this is an interaction that needs to occur. So we had a few points and he was happy enough and I says Benji this is Turner and I just let that happen I just left him there I have no idea how the conversation went <laughs> it, it elapsed for about 25 minutes um, anything could have been said I actually haven't asked me that how that conversation went because I think that's sacred to the, the Turner um, the Turner vault if, <laughs> I think that's a valid description of it because there should be a Turner vault I will maybe ask him at some point down the line um, but I'm sure he's probably shelved that to, to speak about on another occasion <laughs> and Ben also mentioned Hanved away he mentioned mm. Celtic away he mentioned Dundalk 5-0 mm. as games where you made a lot of saves in so were those games bring a lot of bells for you as yeah, good performances yeah yeah yeah. I remember them all well I remember playing Hanved yeah I played well over there yeah um, as I say they were a top quality side like you know they weren't a household name to, you know, to us, but um, they had that Dutari lad, and yeah, I did have a, I did have a good game over there. Mm. I played well in Celtic Park too. Yeah, I remember the five 0 actually. Yeah, against Dundalk. Yeah, that was that was I got playing the year. That was the year I got playing the year. Wow. Yeah. Um, had you ever any offers to go abroad? No, when I, when I was with Cambridge now, Bolton, I was supposed to go to Bolton on trial when I was 16. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was only going down to Fitzgerald's Road. Your grandma wanted to sign you. Bolton were in the, the old fourth division, you know, at the time. Yeah. And uh, I was supposed to go away and the day before I was to go on trial. Uh, something fell through with the digs and I uh, never, never materialised. I was supposed to come back up again. When I was with Rovers, there was talk of a few clubs being interested, but I never really pursued it, never pushed yeah. it. I was happy, you That's know, I was working here, had a good job, I was playing with the top team in Ireland, yeah. playing in Europe every year. It didn't really bother me, you know, to be honest. And you've spoken about, Gary asked you where your uh, Player of the Year trophies were. The fact that you won it, Ben referenced this, you won that Player of the Year award in 86-87 last season at Milltown mm. the fact that a goalkeeper won that might, might be too humble to, to say but it's very unusual for a goalkeeper to, to win the player of the year award normally it's when like Barry Murphy for example won it twice in the yeah. in the oh, warrior yeah, years <laughs> the warrior <laughs> years yeah. that's when your goalkeeper wins player of the year yeah. the fact yeah. that you won that in 86 it's like the hay when I feel annoyed when I finish <laughs> yeah. Yeah. that says a lot about you I think <clears throat> well I had a good season that year but look I mean like when most goalkeepers that are playing with top sides, they don't get a whole lot to do week in, week out. Like you know, and it's, it, you that's know, what we're that, thinking. And that can make it harder. Like you, Ben referenced Hanved Celtic, and that game, like their games that I would have been really busy in. You, you know, you're basically getting peppered with shots, and you're, you know, where to be days with Rovers, you know, you wouldn't be getting a whole lot to do. But when you get, when it does come on top of you, you have to. Concentration has to be right, you have to be right, ready to to do it. Like, you know, even the likes of the Liverpool keepers and the City keepers don't get a lot to do with when they're called on, they're there, you have know. Have to perform. Um, but 
I suppose the second player of the year I got would have been one of them years where I think where we were playing in Daly Mount Park. Yeah, yeah and it wasn't a great Rovers team. No disrespect to, but it wasn't a great time for Rovers. I mean, that would have been the year that I would have been busy, like you know. Yeah, but the first year that you won it, you had to win over. Yeah. 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 But look at your penalty ratio, say, and that. Yeah, well, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. You did a great ratio. In penalty shootouts and yeah. general penalties in general. Yeah, yeah. Did you have a technique yeah. for penalties? Did you? Well, to be honest, you always just called it an educated guess. Yeah. It depends who's taking it. You know how they're playing in the match. If they're having a good match, they they might go for the more difficult one would be across their body if they're. Not playing well, they might go for the easy. Yeah. If you're a right foot player, you, you'll go that way, it's the easier way. Stuff like that, yeah. you know, and then, you know, thinking back to when did I see him taking before. There's no notes in your socks yeah, back then, was there? No, just an educated guess. That's a great answer, Grace. A guess, but an educated guess, yeah. you know. Um, and, you know, it worked well for me. Look, it's a, it's a bit of luck as well. Like, yeah. You know. So what was Ed Saul's question, Gary? Ed Saul's question, he said, what's the best save you ever made? Your own opinion now. Obviously I fans have their own opinions, but... I remember in that game in Hanved making a save. It was, I think it was from a corner or a cross. And a fella came in, he hit a header. And I'd say he was just outside the six-yard box. Point blank. And I remember tipping it over the bar, and I kind of said to myself, how the fuck? <laughs> 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 I, mean, I did, I kind of went, how the fuck did I say that? You know, um, th- that probably is one that sticks out, like, you know. Mm. Um, and probably because that reason, because I remember saying to myself, I don't know how I fucking save that. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll leave the last word to uh, staff, by the time the show comes out. It's Shelburne at home next, so the so-called Rings End Derby. When the Shells fans sing Rings End number one, what is your response? They rank fifth behind Rovers, the CY, Rings End Rovers, Irish Town on our 34s, <laughs> Bridge, and then come to us. They will never, ever amount to anything that Rovers will come to. And, yeah. Well, sure, they always will be sure, yeah. just because they had a good few years and they were pumped full of money, does not mean they will ever equate to being good. Only so, the Dom. Shells. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I thought we were going to have um, a relatively short podcast this time, but just Mason's up, so. Oh. Welcome in. I think the last time we had a live show it was a monthly madness with Joe's and it was four hours long. I think I fell asleep. You did fall asleep. Um, <laughs> I knew you got divorced that night. Yeah. You did as well. On the phone. We'll be finished soon. I told her. We started about seven that night. I thought I'd be. Time now on this. She said. I said I'll be finished by about half eight. So she said. She's next week. Eleven o'clock. I think it was. Eleven o'clock. The look. And your missus's face was disgusting. I, I was like, she's gonna kill him. All the women just waiting around for us to finish drinking cans and talk about football. What do you resent is this down to? Hello. Oh, it doesn't get us. No, no, no. Does, yeah, to a certain it's extent, there's little bits it's of airs really in here, but the, yeah, other than that, no. Yeah. Quite the feather in your cap, Joe, because <laughs> our 100th episode, yeah. you were on that one. It was, correct. And now yeah, you're also on it. So, yeah. unless John Delaney makes a surprise appearance. <laughs> 
<laughs> You're the only man to appear on both shows. Yeah, true. The nerd. Is that is that the reward I guess for moving to the hotbed of talent? That's, that's, that's exactly <laughs> it. You took it out of our world. You um, took the words yeah, out of our mouth. Yeah. True to be asked. Them, so you've left and recently gone to Rings from Rings End to join the hotbed of talent that no. is Crumlin. So how are you? How are you getting on? I, I'm, I'm actually from Pier Street. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> don't talk about the war. <laughs> that, that bridge. Um, <laughs> yeah, look, I think Ed said it on the interview. It's the one thing I actually miss, and I still get the bus back, and I, I, I go home. I go back to home to me mum and dad, dad, and then I head back to Portland. I do miss actually being around here for games and, yeah. and, the, and the crack and all because I think our supporters club is fantastic, and, and I'm not just saying that. I just think that the camaraderie we have with everyone, and it's, even us on the committee. We're just facilitating what the members want, yeah. and that's uh, the members are everything to us. And we've a great, we've a great membership now from old and young. And it, it, it's fantastic, and it's, it's brilliant to be part of it. You know? But more importantly, what have you adopted as your local chipper and, and Bowser in Crumlin? Bowser is Borchels. Borchels. Sherry's he used to be. Okay. And chipper probably Aldo's because it's the handiest one to walk. <laughs> um, yeah, like there's probably a couple of others I could go to, but they're a bit far away, so. If you're just hungry, I started walking around the car. Now there's the old county grill, which doesn't really look right now. No. Well, that's that's the, that's the joy of Crumlin. It looks brutal, but it's great. Yeah, uh, so I think I've only had that once, but it's mainly all those in board, so it's because they're right beside each other nearly. So I remember when you first moved, I saw you wandering around uh, Cambridge. Uh, doesn't exist. Mythical <laughs> no. no. place. Are you aware of the, Are you aware of the borderlines of Cambridge uh, and Crumlin? Is it friendly? Good friend of mine now. She's the walkers, but she lives in Kimmage, and I'm always saying it doesn't exist. It's Crumlin you're living in. No, no, I live in Kimmage, and then they put that sign up outside Sundrive, <laughs> yeah, which is not Kimmage. It's not yeah. even close to Kimmage. It's still Crumlin. Could cause a war. And uh, yeah, she took a picture of it and sent. And took great pleasure in sending it to me. <laughs> yeah. The second word of my answer was off. But in the couple of weeks before we release this show. Um, we're going to be talking about kind of the history of Rings End, like the 20s, 30s, 40s. Yeah. I'm, I'm really interested in it. And Jules, you'd know a bit about this the, the march and the white horse that Ed talked about. That goes way back to the 40s, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, like obviously public transport and people having their cars back then. So rovers were getting to a load of cup finals in, in Dalymount. And they used to march from, Paul, you can correct me wrong, they used to march from here to Dalymount. The white sure. horse. Yeah. Yeah. Church. And, and, and. Shunk's rail. And that's that was the tradition, and it was used to be done back then. It wasn't done as much later, and then when we got to the cup final in twenty ten. We decided to recreate that. Sadly, the horse wasn't white at that. In that <laughs> it was end, a donkey. That I think that was. I remember. I remember coming over the bridge, and Ed says to me. I think this might be it. I went, oh jeez. Like, yeah. Mark Keaton got a bucket of paint and just put the town on a donkey. But the second one, 2019, and there's a family connection. Uh, Brenda's, my wife, Brenda, her cousin's husband, that's what his job is, and deals with horses. And I saw him bringing the horse over in 2019, it was like, yeah. Unbelievable. Today. Unbelievable. And it was. It was a great day that day. But, um, um, standout memory of. Jody Byrne. You would have been kind of young, wouldn't you? But uh, oh, he remembers. Not, it's, not, it's not a football memory, actually, in fairness. Uh, uh-huh. There was a few years ago, I celebrated my, let me age up here, 40th birthday. And I had a deal in, in the vintage, just a few people, and Jody was in there when he died. 
Yeah, that night. That's right. And Jody said to him, he says, Oh, we'll be going in a minute. And I went, You're not going anywhere. <laughs> I says, You're one of my childhood heroes. Part of the Fort team, and you're not my fucking. You're staying. What are you having to drink? You know? And it was it was great to have Jody. Jody was a. I completely agree with everything Ben said. Um, and people might say it's. I mean, I get shown at me, oh, you're always talking about brilliant champ, haven't you? And he's the best left foot in the league. He's the best left foot in this league by a mile. Yeah, that's, that's the truth, though. Hey, uh, you're talking about great Gannon is. Look how decorated he is. Look how decorated this man is. Mm. Charlie won six leagues and four cups for a goalkeeper. You know, you don't... You don't bad goalkeeper. You weren't a bad goalkeeper. We were going to say that when you left. And it's just... Again, and, but Charlie's a fantastic keeper. And didn't like it when he went to Shells, of course. Uh, especially because... You know, the Rover Shells rivalry down here. I always say I'm from a mixed marriage because my dad <laughs> brought me to the Rovers, but my mother's side was all Shelbourne. Um, and then my best mates here were Shelbourne. And, but it's, it, it's, 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 it's great to have been part of it down here. It's fantastic. You know? And do you have a question for Jody? <laughs> no, I think everything that I wanted to ask has been asked. I just <laughs> think, uh, I mean, yeah, the one I would have bought it was why he went to Shells but I think once he said that Papua never posted it obviously mm. to someone who was of Papua stature it would be very hard to say no to somebody like that so um, that would have been my question because I was at that age especially I was of the opinion that like God everyone should want to play for I was we'd want to go anywhere else but obviously as you get older you realise that's not the case mm. that would have been the one mm. so tell us about your involvement with the Pride Rings End and the Rovers link what it actually means to you it's massive to me, even though I'm technically not from the area, but I've spent a lot of my time down here. Um, the Pride Rings End started, yeah, Ed was very generous to me. Uh, I was not involved in trying to start setting it up. I was involved in very early days. I remember being on a, when I was younger, I used to go on this thing called Sunday Sessions, where I could drink all day Sunday. So I used to go down to Vintage, and I think it was a David Liverpool United match. I think United had won, so I was pretty annoyed. And uh, I went into the chipper to have me dinner, and uh, there was a poster up on the on the wall, meeting in Gleason's 10th of February, 2006. And I forget, it's grand. So I went into the meeting, head where Ed and Jay, Ed and Jay, to say, "Thought this is really good." Then Ed goes, "You have to make the committee. I want to be second uh, chairman. Jay's going to be secretary. We just need a treasurer." And I was like, "I'm not interested in this." Paul came. I nominate Justin. Paul Clay seconded. So before I had a chance to object, <laughs> I was in. And I then thought, you know what, sad I'll go in and do it, and I've been there ever since. And it's 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 great to be a part of. We've we've a really good committee. Um, there was myself, Jay, and Ed Forrest, and Jay left, and then Brian Mason came in, then Brian left, and Donald came in, Ben came in, and then I think the last couple of years, the work that Sean Milner and Kieran have done is fantastic. And I think it's you need that. Like we still like being part of it, but you need you need the fresh people in to get in. And, and it's, it's reinvigorated it's reinvigorated the Ford bus as well and it's it's fantastic and Sean does a fantastic job on the buses he really does and, and for the cup for, and for the Kieran and, 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 and we want to do great things as well so it's we're a good committee but the trio and that's reinvigorated and, and that's what you want you always want fresh blood coming in because just to, just to, there might be something you miss and to have other ideas is great to have so yeah, yeah I totally agree I am Jules, we uh, we said we'd ask you for something on Ed Saul. He told us he's well known for his singing ability. Yeah, well, I was going to say Arsenal, but I thought better than bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Ed was uh, the one example I gave was my wedding. Um, I knew Ed wanted to sing, so I said, Yeah, go, go up and ask the DJ. 
and the DJ, you might break me equipment. And Ed comes down looking really distressed that he wouldn't have to sing. So I went up, had a word with the, uh, had a word with the DJ, said fine. And when, and I, there was this was the floor, and it was a sort of a, where the top table was, a little sort of a uh, couple of steps or a mount up to it. And Ed starts singing there, and all of us from Rings End, all of our overslides were stabbed behind him, trying to dance, it was brilliant. Um, yeah, Ed's, Ed's, Ed's great crack, and you know he's he's a fin- like he is the public face of the POR, and he's a brilliant one to have mm. because everyone knows Ed. You know, we used to call him the Lord Mayor of Rings. I think that that Leinster Cup final uh, against CY, Ed went out and shook the hands of both teams before the Cup final. <laughs> 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 it was like fantastic, but yeah, Ed, Ed, Ed's a great guy, and he's uh, he really he's fantastic for us. And, you know, he is he's brilliant. So his karaoke go-to is All Night Long by Lionel Richie and love is in the air so what about you two guys what's your karaoke go to you have to sing it as well no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> there's not one really anymore I've tried some bad things people know me like there was a bit of a Rick Astley fan when I was younger <laughs> never going to give you up was one um, but it was around this not drunk enough lads uh, if, 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 we get it, if we get into group stage you ought to pull it are we going to hold it Jody, any initiations no, back in the day? You don't want to hear me singing, but uh, <laughs> it's as bad a goalkeeper. You want to hear me fucking sing? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, now, um, funny enough, on the bus on that far and route, before all the, you know, the old tape went in the tape recorder, you lads wouldn't remember all that. It was always Lionel Richie. Yeah. The tape of Lionel Richie was always played on the bus, going to the matches, like you know. On the way back, you'd get a few. Dinny Lowry would sing a few songs. Dinny was the tra- uh, the kit man and goalkeeping coach. Um, you know, he had a few songs. Was there a few sherry's on the bus back? Oh, we, yeah, we'd stop. We'd always stop for a meal um, on the way home and have a few beers and mm. maybe bring a few cans on the bus. Ooh. It's probably all different now, you know. I was, I was just to see Sean Cavett saying there, you know, the cup final and they were out in Carton House the night before and messages from their family you know yeah, yeah. I think I think it was the cup final the second or third cup final I played and we used to meet in Daly Mount the same as an, an hour before kickoff, like yeah. you know what I mean any other game as any other game I remember the, I think it was against Galway I think it was up at 7 o'clock in the morning I think I hid over the house me and Mrs. goes what are you doing I says I can't sleep and I was here over in the house then I brought my young lad out to Dolly Mount we went for a walk around Dolly Mount then I came back I got ready, got on the. Yeah, we had the play. Played a cup final. Point to go. Played a cup final. And they're down at Carton House now getting messages, video messages. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. How times have changed, like, you know. Yeah, I've got a couple of random questions for you now. Um, also involved uh, shells, not not rovers, but uh, do you remember the time you scored a goal for Shelburne? Yeah, yeah. Can you talk us through that one? One and only, yeah. It was there when we were playing Monaghan. Was it Monaghan or Pioneer? Yeah. And uh, fully that, um, it was, I don't know, it's the same pitch they play in now, but it was real open and there was a gale forest wind. Belgium gale, Park. What was it called? Belgium Park. Jesus. Yeah. And uh, we have, you know, so it was actually a pass back. No, it wasn't, it was, it was a kick out of my hands. And it just caught on the on the wind and Brian O'Shea was trying to go come on and, and a bouncer he, he took us he didn't know whether to come and take it or he took a step back and a bouncer went over his head mm. 
<clears throat> and just went into the net, you know. And here I kind of went, well, what the fuck do I do now? I haven't practiced any selling. Was I going to jump around? I didn't know what to do. But uh, we, funny that game. Pat Bourne was managing that, sh- and we went in. We went in for nil a half time because we basically had a hurricane playing behind us. Yeah. We were lucky to get out with a five-four win in the end. Yeah. 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 Honest to God, it was the strangest game. But that was me one and only. Um, I can't remember my celebration. And <laughs> <laughs> um, the other question, also children. You had one of the fastest red cards <laughs> in League of Ireland history from kickoff. Yeah. 12 seconds. Yeah, you and Peter Hutton two yeah. footed each other in the box. So yeah. talk us through this. Jesus, was it personal? No, it wasn't Peter. It was Peter Coyle. It was Dirty City. It was Peter Coyle. Right. Oh, Sorry, it was it was Liam Coyle oh, okay. that played with Derry. It was a member the professional. It was the first year of the professional <laughs> fell, where you, you know. And um, you forgot all about that, obviously. <laughs> it wasn't the fee fucking fell me, by the way. Was that not I'm semi-professional. Can I get away with this? <laughs> yeah. No, the ball was tipped off and it went back to uh, their full back, and he basically just played a long ball, and it was a 50-50 with me and Peter Coyle, and I slid out. And he slid in, and the two was just kind of came together. And Pat Kelly, in his wisdom, was the referee. The yeah. Alan's out. <laughs> and he, he decided Was it Alan's father? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Funny, he retired yeah. this year. And, and he decided that I'd foul Peter Coyle, and it was a professional foul. And the two of us were sliding on the ground, and he gave me a red card. And he ended up, it was on St. Patrick's Day as well. Sitting in the stand, I think I got a fucking suntan sitting in the stand. <laughs> <laughs> was, you give them a pen on what? You give them a pen on send me off. So who came on? Who came on for you? No, you couldn't bring on. Anta Whelan had to go and go. We were down to Madness. ten men, so Anta Whelan got and go for so the rest Davis, of the match. There's some people there. I wouldn't yeah, but you, you, didn't have have it, you didn't have it on the bench. That's right. So yeah, yeah. Um, my last question is. There's a great photograph of you. I might actually use it for the picture for this whole podcast. Uh, it's you in the 1986 FAI Cup final when we won 2-0. And the club mascot is there, yep. Cindy the dog. Uh, Cindy recently the we dog. had on Joe Barnes, he talked about Kitty Mellon and Cindy yeah, the dog. Cindy. Yeah, I the have the photograph. show the picture know. there. Well, yeah, yeah. Apparently Cindy... Uh, Pissed in Daily Belt. That's right. And in the 1984 final, she was mascot as well, and she pissed all over a photographer's equipment. Yeah. This was actually mentioned on a question of sport. It was a quiz question. (laughs) So I suppose my question is: any Cindy the dog uh, memories? No, no, I think it was Kitty. Was a Kitty? Was yeah, Yeah, Kitty Mellon. No, Cindy used to go everywhere to all the matches, yeah, away, matches traveled, everywhere. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't have any great stories. That that mascot in the photograph is actually my son. I was gonna say, yeah, I thought it was yeah, yeah. Mel, a little blonde, <laughs> blue eyed boy. Yeah. Your son, yeah. Yeah, very good. What year was that? Eighty-six. Eighty-six. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who was that? It was yeah, that? Was all the way at Waterford. Waterford. I have it at home. Yeah, I have it myself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can tell you a good story about Hardy Kenny pissing on me leg. <laughs> he, had a, he had a thing for that, didn't he? 
But I've never understood that. Right, yeah. so uh, we're going to move on. We're going to say, um, do you keep an eye on the Rovers team nowadays? And is there any players in particular you like watching on the new Rovers, the Rovers team, the current Rovers team? Um, well, I watched the match the other night. I wouldn't say I watch it every week now, no. you know. Um, obviously, Jack Bourne comes yeah. to mind with the Rovers um, team at the moment. And even before he went away that time, uh, He's definitely a quality player. Like, yeah. You know, I mean, he'd be the nearest thing that I would have seen to Pat Bourne. You know, in league. Were they similar players? Similar type, very similar type yeah. player. Yeah, yeah, very similar. You know, centre midfield player, good on the ball. You know. Um, what do you think of our style of play in that game in particular? For this, well, don't win the first seen, half. I didn't see the first half. Just about oh, to say, fuck. seen the second <laughs> half. For, for Stephen Bradley to make four changes at halftime it must be pretty bad, <laughs> you know. Um, no, I think to be honest with you, I think I think Robert will win the league. Yeah. I mean, it's already a two-horse race with Derry, who I don't think really will have the squad when it, you know when when towards the back end of yeah. the season. Um, uh, I was impressed with Gaffney when he came on the other day. You know, I was pacing. I actually would have gave him man of the match instead of Ray that, Borg. That was a big issue that everybody was talking you know, about. Because, um, <laughs> you know, I think he made two of the three goals and he just seemed to make a big difference. Mm. Yeah. Um, right, so that's that's it for Jody. Let's give Jody a round of applause, please. Um, we're coming to an end now but if anybody else wants to jump in and take a couple of questions we're going to leave it at that so thanks for having us lads thanks, it's, been a, it's been a pleasure yeah that's it we're we're all right. up. thanks lads thanks for that hello lads thanks thanks very much thanks a lot I'm surrounded by a group of rings and beauties now, girls, would you marry a fella from Inchy Car or Black Rock? No. no. We'd rather have rings and. Yes, I'd rather have rings and fellas. Yeah. 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 And why do you rather have rings and fellas? Because they're our own kind. They're our own kind. Because when you're marrying someone from rings and, you know who you're marrying. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's Quertings in Dublin, between Hulk and Crumlin. Down in Rings End, there's a five-legged cat and a three-legged donkey, a two-headed monkey. There's nothing so queer as his four-faced elf Rings End was at one time the harbour of Dublin. It's an early 17th century town. It has had a coloured and checkered history. It has seen days of riches, aye, and days of rags. In Dublin town, there lives a girl Fairer than the flower I'm wearing Rose Donahue all fresh and new And I love her past All caring And there she goes By rings and rose In God's garden there's no 
on rare earth And there she goes My rings and rose Dublin town I see none fair